Welcome. We have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? Your mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. You have arrived. You have arrived. Welcome to Welcome to the, the Daily, Daily Boogie. Let's do this. How the bloody hell are you? Thanks for joining us, everyone. Settle in. We've got a lot to get through. We're going to mow through it. We are going to be a Mexican gardener and mow through this shit. Tonight you may call me Jorge. Jorge. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Thursday night, ladies and gentlemen. What an absolute pleasure to see you there. Thanks so much for joining us. I am Boogie Bumper. This is the Daily Boogie. The special Easter chocolate Easter egg edition of the Daily Boogie. And first of all, before we go too far, just a big shout out to the J-Man Jesus. Thanks, bro. Thanks so much for giving us a long weekend. I really appreciate it. I don't know what he had to go through to give us a long weekend, but I'm so pumped. I got to have last night off work. It was super chill. It's a great night. I got to do a lot of work on the computer. I got to sleep. And I thought, this is what Christianity is all about. Kick back, have a couple of bourbons, not worry about work for a day. Thanks, bro. <laughs> and he said unto them, you may have a long weekend. And they did rejoice in his honor. So thanks, Jesus, for giving us a long weekend. Really appreciate it. Coming through when it counts. Of course. Happy Easter, everyone. <clears throat> Happy Easter. Uh, greetings from the future. It is Good Friday here, and I hope to have a really good Friday. So I hope I can make your Thursday night pretty okay. It's not going to be as good as Good Friday, because how can anything compete with Good Friday when it's literally got good in the title? It's pretty tough. So hopefully we can have an okay Thursday. 
leading into a Good Friday. We might even go into Good Friday with the amount of crap I've got to go through here tonight. So much stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. I can see the guys over on YouTube. Thank you very much for joining us on YouTube, ladies and gentlemen. YouTube, Twitch, and of course, of course, Periscope. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And yes, if you would like to send me a chocolate egg, you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Uh, slow news day. Not much going on. Really? Let me just take a sip here. Mm. Ah. Yeah, not much going on. I mean, I was looking around the newspapers. I was looking for things to talk about. I was like, wow, it's, it's really nothing here. It's really not much of anything going on in the world, especially not in the US of A. I mean, you would maybe, maybe everything's slowing down just because we're leading into Easter, you know. Politicians want to go on, go away for the weekend, spend some time in their families. The media have their mind on other things, Easter egg hunts and whatnot. So there really isn't anything to talk about. So thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> See you next week. No. Obviously, the bar. The bar. Bill Barr. Bill Barr Adams. He was in the news. Black Banner. Good to see. Black Banner on YouTube always starts off. That's always his first comment. That little symbol there. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Black Banner. So, obviously, we've got William Barr stuff to go through. Straight away, straight off the bat, if I may, nothing, big nothing burgers, nothing going on. Um, you know, if you if you watch Trust and Verify, a show I do on Sunday night with my comrade James R., we were talking about the Mueller report, obviously, like everyone was for a long time. But the, the reaction to the Mueller report, you know, being released in the media... I, it's funny, like, <clears throat> I didn't think I could ever be shocked anymore by the way the media carries on. But here I am again today, reading what's being put out and watching what's being put out on these little shows. And I can't help but think, really? Still? You still haven't figured this out? You're still doing it? Hi, Nancy. Thanks for joining us. It doesn't make any sense. Here was a perfect opportunity for the corporate press, ladies and gentlemen, to hit the reset button, <sighs> like Hillary Clinton style. Remember that big red button that she dragged out on stage? Like a 12-year-old's school play prop. Here's my big reset button. Now I'm going to hit it. This was their opportunity to, dare I say, draw a line in the sand and move forward, but move forward they did not. On Trust and Verify... You know, we've been saying for a while, well, at least it was my contention that this this report, I've been saying to anybody who would listen, it's these kinds of reports are never like earth shattering moments. And I think if you go back, you'll find I said it's probably going to be pretty milquetoast stuff, but there's going to be a lot of inference in there. And the whole point that the Democrats want the report released is so they can zero in on little things here and there, blow them up in order to continue the outrage moving forward into the election cycle of 2020. But by and large, it's there's really not going to be much in there. And the reason is, have you ever dealt with a bureaucrat? <laughs> have you ever tried to get involved in some kind of policy initiative? Have you ever tried to you know, be involved 
in writing some kind of policy with some kind of bureaucrat at any point, they are the world's most boring people by and large. <laughs> and I think that we live in a time, you know, people talk about the Trump effect, right? Here's something else. The Trump effect is not just one thing. It's a range of things, in my opinion. And here's something else that I think the Trump effect is. The Trump effect has effectively turned the the news, the, pol the politics watching world, which, is, which has expanded exponentially since the election of Donald Trump. Don't kid yourselves. For, for every single person that says they take they pay attention to politics now, you know, 10 of them wouldn't have prior to 2015. And I don't think that's going too far. And, you know, a lot of people just admit that, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm essentially happy that more people pay attention to politics and things going on in the world now. <laughs> Canadian West, thanks for joining us. Evening, foreigner. But the Trump effect has effectively created an environment of hyper-focus and hyper-sensitivity. Do you see what I'm getting here? Getting at here? Every little thing that before, you know, policy reports and investigations and reports and announcements, they were, they were just simmering around and very few people paid attention to it. There was never any sensationalized reporting about these things by and large for the most part. But now I think part of the Trump effect is this hyper-focus and this hyper-sensitivity where we now live in a world, we live in the rhetorical equivalent of Mosul where everything is a bombshell. Oh, we've got a bombshell. There's another bombshell. Here's a bombshell. There's another bombshell. When in actual fact, there are very few bombshells <laughs> because bureaucrats are basically more or less extremely boring people. They don't like bombshells. They don't deal in bombshells. Now, I haven't read the full Mueller report, but I've read a big chunk of it, and it reads like a typical bureaucrat report, except for the fact that there is a lot of inference farming going on. Well, you know, some person reported that Trump said this and another person said that, from, so from that we can conclude this inference. Doesn't necessarily usually happen that way. Usually they just deal in fact and get rid of everything else, but on this occasion, not so much. And these are all being reported as bombshells when really they're not. Really, you're talking about, you know, in many cases, private conversations or singular comments taken out of context, which are then reported as fact to actually imply something else entirely. The truth of which no one will ever know unless you were actually in the mind of Donald Trump at the time of him making these quotes, alleged quotes. Oh, it's a bombshell. Did you hear what he said about this? Well, no, and neither did you. Well, because he said this, he was obviously thinking this. What, obviously? Obviously. So that's what we're dealing with. And that's going to be the story moving forward. There's... Any opportunity to drag anything out of this and beat it half to death is going to take place. Five minutes before I went live, I was thinking about this, you know, this this aspect of the Trump effect in that we now live in a hyper-focused, hypersensitive media environment where everything is regarded as a bombshell. 
and you know the contrast that with the actual real life goings on of bureaucrats and how boring they are and how they just stick to policy and they just stick to procedure and they the bureaucrats live to to take sensationalism out of everything and the media exists to inject sensationalism into everything that the bureaucrats write so i was just reminded of this and i might have played something from this show before this was a, an australian show written by a, a group of very very funny comedians called the hollow men and pardon me i, I gotta sneeze Don't you hate that when you need to sneeze and then no sneeze comes out? And I know I'm going to be halfway through a sentence and the sneeze is going to come out. And it's going to be like slow-mo. There's going to be a spray all over my monitor. <laughs> now I want to sneeze. Now I'm now I'm subconsciously thinking sneeze, 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 sneeze. Come on, come on. But it won't come on. It won't come on. So this show, The Hollow Men, let me give you a little bit of background here. Um, these are people who work for the Prime Minister of Australia in a fictional sense. But, you know, every single public servant who ever watched this show, bless you, thank you, Amber. <laughs> thank you. Every single public servant who watched this show said how accurate it was to real life. So this is, this is the setup for this clip. These are a group of, um, you know, employees to the office of the Prime Minister. And, you know, the show follows their daily life of how they try to spin things, how they try to use reports, how they try to mould language, all for the purpose of engaging in this thing called politics, right? So I, I didn't pre-watch this clip, but most of what this show did was absolute gold. So, you know, if you want an example of what bureaucrats are like, check this out. Oh, hang on. Let me get some volume for you. The cabinet leak. No, there's been a massacre in Indonesia. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank God. What's happened? Haven't you heard? Oh, shit, not another cabinet leak. No, there's been a massacre in Indonesia. Oh, thank God for that. Wasn't it on your... No, no, music. Oh. You can't jog to Frank Kelly, mate. What's happened? Okay, our militia have moved into West Papua. They're attacking villages. There are reports of indiscriminate violence. Is this just coming overnight? Yeah. Just happened? Yes. Like an hour ago. How many dead? Uh, it's too early. Uh, reports are a little sketchy, but there have been casualties, Tone. Got to say I'm concerned. Yeah. You think it might escalate? What do you mean? You said you were concerned. Yeah, about our response. Okay, they're here. <laughs> on in. Gentlemen. Meeting with the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. I've just spoken with a PM. His plane's been delayed a little bit by fog, but it goes without saying that he's shocked by the latest developments. He's informed me that he wants to send a clear and unequivocal message that this form of aggression will not be tolerated. Philip. Thanks, Tony. Uh, can I just say that that's the view of the department as well? Thank you. Now, uh, Warren has spoken to his opposite number at DFAT. And they're as shocked as we are, and they believe we need to be strong in our response. Good. I've rarely seen them this worked up. It's understandable. They believe we should begin yep. by asking for restraint. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's it? That's it. Yeah, they're pretty worked up. Okay, so we're asking Indonesia to exercise restraint. I wouldn't say Indonesia. Sorry? I wouldn't say Indonesia. But they are Indonesia. Yes, but I wouldn't be pointing that out. No. Well, I think they're aware of it. Yeah, it's more just a general request for all nations in the general region to show general restraint. <laughs> general. <laughs> Do you remember after uh, the New Zealand shooting, the Christchurch shooting, and I, I had the clip to play on one of my shows and I never got round to it, and it was a clip of Jacinta Arden. And they said, you know, Jacinta Arden's response to the Christchurch shooting. And she came out and said, you know, 
she urged the world to, you know, exercise tolerance and push for world peace, basically. <laughs> a completely ambiguous nothing statement that really didn't address any specific event or any specific person related to any specific event. It was just a general call for restraint. And I thought of this instantly, <laughs> like, don't, yes, it did happen in Indonesia, but don't mention Indonesia because that might be too aggressive. So just a general urge, a general call for restraint. <laughs> like this is what bureaucrats do. This is the way bureaucrats operate. So again, like with the release of the Mueller report, if you actually read the Mueller report, there's very little sensationalized bombshell stuff in there because they deliberately try to remove any of any kind of that kind of any sort of that kind of tomfoolery. They try to remove it from their work as much as possible. <laughs> Nurse, I'm not sure that's quite the clear and unequivocal message you're looking for. Well, we are demanding restraint. Asking. Sorry, asking for restraint, but we're still asking. Okay, well, we're still getting. <laughs> what if we wanted something a little more unequivocal than merely just asking for restraint? <laughs> well, we could call on all nations. We could call for restraint, restraint instead of asking. Indonesia. Call on Indonesia to show restraint. Be careful there, Warren. Yeah, you could be right. That's, that's too much. I'd probably just leave it at asking in general. Happy? Thank Thanks you, Warren. Thank, thank you. you. Sorry to get you in so early. No, no, no. I thought you said you were happy. There's been nine killed. Well, not about that. I just think we might need to go a little further than... Further than ask. Probably. Just in light of, you know, all the people being killed. Yeah, yeah they get it. They get it, Murph. If, if we were to go further than ask... What would be the next step? Well, I guess we'd strongly call for restraint. <laughs> Could we demand it? No, you only demand restraint in very specific circumstances. Don't yeah, demand restraint. For example, restraint. we were being invited. Yes, definitely there. You were joking. <laughs> Can I just warn you about the Indonesian sense of humour? It's probably not anyway, quite anyway, true. <laughs> we do strongly call for restraint. I'm not saying we do, Warren. What if even after that they don't listen to us? Oh, well, now you're at a fork in the road. Right. You can either call on the leadership to show restraint, which is pretty direct, or you can actually go the physical route ah. and send in, you know, a delegation. Ah. To do what? To call for restraint. <laughs> There's a person physically there. But there's a person physically there. We urge Indonesia to show restraint. You think that's going too far? No, I reckon the PM had approved of that. Though we are using the word urge. Yeah, it has been okay by the department. Too. Yeah, but you're using with Indonesia and restraint. We have gone too far, haven't we? <laughs> People have been killed. Not that many, but that's not just calling not for that restraint, many. that's urging. That's what we need to say. It's a clear, unequivocal message. Yep. Okay, so we decided, yeah? When that press gallery bell goes off, we've urged. <laughs> there you go. We've urged, we've urged Indonesia to show restraint. Have we gone too far? I think we've gone too far. <laughs> Sensational stuff. James on YouTube says, this was filmed in the State Department. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's get rock and rolling. Bill Barr's amazing spin machine. Trump's AG is barely even pretending. There he is. The softly spoken boogeyman. Attorney General Bill Barr is not actually Trump's defense attorney, but he sure played that role on TV. Attorney General may be William Barr's technical title, but after Thursday morning's press conference on the Mueller report and its underlying questions, whether Donald Trump and his campaign colluded with a Russian criminal conspiracy to undermine the 2016 election, it's clearer than ever why Barr was higher. Are hired. His talents as a spin meister are impressive. <laughs> See, it's all William Barr's fault. William Barr is the spin machine here. 
William Barr is the one spinning things. To anybody who is objectively and intellectually honest, they would say that William Barr's press conference was a typical performance by a long, a lifetime bureaucrat in so much as he was killing the questions and killing the innuendo and killing the inferences with procedure. You know, what What do you think? Do you think, Donald Trump, do you think you're acting in a way that's kind of conspiratorial? Well, no. Mueller, the Mueller team works for me. They were hired to write a report for me. They gave it to me. I'm giving it to you. That's how it works. <laughs> And the idiot, the idiot media sitting there with their with their mouths open, catching flies. You know, but don't don't you think that this has come some kind of conspiracy? Well, no, that's not that's particularly not how it works. You see, uh, in the department, I I tell somebody to do this, they do it, they give it to me. That's how it works. <laughs> there is no there is no collusion here. Killing them with procedure. Barr held his press conference hours before there was even a public version of special counsel Robert Mueller's report, which was not published until just after 11am Eastern time. This was a masterstroke, ensuring that Barr's narrative, which was unsurprisingly flattering to his boss, the President of the United States, filled the informational void left by a report no one had read yet. And I thought, well, isn't that an interesting comment? So now there's been an in, an informational void left by the fact that nobody had read the report. Then what the fuck have the corporate press been talking about for the last two years, ladies and gentlemen? Every single op-ed piece, well, this is what's in the Mueller report. This is what's going to happen with the Mueller report. Here's who's getting indicted from the Mueller report. Here's what we know about the Mueller report. Robert Mueller is investigating this. Robert Mueller is investigating that. Look at all the people who are being investigated by the Mueller report. Donald Trump's going to get indicted by the Mueller report. Donald Trump Jr. is going to be indicted by Robert Mueller. Everybody's going to be indicted by Robert Mueller. We know exactly what's in the Mueller report. Robert Mueller is going to uncover criminal conspiracy. Robert Mueller is going to uncover a whole litany of crimes related to Donald Trump. What the fuck? And now on the day, because he gave a press conference two hours before the report was released, all of a sudden there was an informational void left by the fact that nobody had read the report yet. What the hell are you talking about, man? What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Informational void? You haven't shut up about this thing in two years. The press conference itself was another demonstration of Barr's competence or even perhaps genius at villainous behaviour. He's an evil genius. (laughs) I can just picture William Barr in a lair because you're not a proper evil genius unless you have a lair. You'd be sitting there in his lair. Yes, yes. I will come out two hours before the report is released. For some reason, he now comes from Eastern Europe. Don't ask me why. I will come out two hours before the report is released and I will bamboozle them with my rhetorical wizardry. They will not even know what you did them. Because I am an evil genius at villainous behavior. Nobody can even compete with me. William Barr. William Barr. It's a good it's a good villain name, isn't it? Well, hello. Hello, Mr. Barr. William Barr. They call him the Barr. Leaning heavily on loyally language. 
insist. He, he, he is the AG, you fucking morons. <laughs> Look at him criticizing William Barr for using lawyer language. He's the Attorney General. How should he address the crowd? How the fuck is everybody? Hey, welcome to the press conference. Hope you had a great time. Is anybody here from out of town? Man, every time I say Russia, I want you to skull a beer. Yeah. And turn into Elizabeth Warren all of a sudden. Get me a beer. You know, I ain't got time for none of that. I ain't got no time for that fancy book learnings. What's there here in this here report is that there ain't no collusion with the Russians. You, you feeling me? You putting, you picking up what I'm putting down? We don't need to be up here with them fancy book learning speak. Y'all just need to understand that the Russians and the Ruskies ain't hiding under Donald Trump's bed, you hear? You hear? Yep. Insisting that it only counts as collusion if Trump campaign members were directly involved with people on the Russian government's official payroll. For instance, Barr created an elaborate justification for the punchline that was tailor-made to please Trump and fit into cable news chirons and newspaper paper headlines. No collusion. Yeah, it's just a bumper sticker moment. Is that fucking Chelsea Handler? Oh, we, we have to break. We have to break from the report, ladies and gentlemen. I have to know what Chelsea Handler thinks of all this. Why is Chelsea Handler on my screen? Let's have a look. It robbed me of a year of my life, and I wanted to be in a place of positivity and hopefulness oh, okay. and not wanting to leave the country every day, and I didn't want them to rob me again of any of my time. And I wanted it back, and I wanted to harness that outrage, and I wanted to take this presidency and turn it into something powerful for me uh, because otherwise I will get cancer. Uh, and so... <laughs> she went to a psychiatrist to heal herself over Donald... Listen... How fucking self-centered are these Hollywood TV liberals, man? I just felt so in pain. I, I just didn't want to feel like I wanted to leave the country all the time. So I just felt angry. So I took all of that anger and all of that rage and I wanted to turn it into something positive for me. Me. Me, 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 me. Me. I'm Chelsea Handler. Me. It's all about me. Oh, Donald Trump made me feel so horrible. I couldn't even stand it anymore, honey. Going to a psychiatrist was about healing myself. And what I realized <laughs> through that and talking with someone was that my injuries ran much deeper than Donald Trump. <laughs> At first, I thought all of my depression and my injuries, she even said injuries, at first, I thought all of my depression and my angst and my anger and my injuries were about Donald Trump. But then when I went to a psychiatrist, I found out that I had a whole bunch of other problems. And I'm sitting here like, you don't fucking say. Wow, what a revelation. <laughs> you mean you, you mean you had more problems than just Donald Trump? Wow. Who would have thunk it? Incredible stuff. Thanks for that, Chelsea. I think we'll leave you there, darling. Where were we? Barr made an elaborate argument that while the hacking itself was illegal, publishing the resulting documents, or perhaps conspiring to publish them, was not. But until we read the report itself, it's hard to say if Barr's interest in that narrow legal point reflects some unsavory revelations regarding who was part of those publishing efforts. 
Okay. Well, since um, since William Barr is the spin meister here, since he's turning everything into a big shit show, I thought we would just run the clock back a little bit. Newsbusters is a fantastic site. If you don't check Newsbusters regularly, you're missing out. Media cry cover up before Mueller report even released. <laughs> so this is before the Mueller report even came out. Let's let's see the spin cycle. These are the people accusing William Barr of being a master of spin. Let's see how good their game is in the spin department. Democrats in Congress are on guard after today because the top lawyer in our land sounded like he was protecting the boss. He's acting in bad faith, fundamentally, right? He's acting as an agent <laughs> of the president as opposed to an agent of the president. It's almost impossible now to not see him as a political actor. He's now looking more partisan. No concern at all that Barr's summary Zero. may not be an accurate reflection. Zero. Barr cherry-picking particular words and phrases. This is the guy that Donald Trump chose. There's a reason and plenty of reasons for Democrats to be suspicious. Definitely suspicious, right? Barr is going to do Trump's dirty work. He is doing the president's <laughs> dirty work here. It is astonishing how quickly Bill Barr has settled into that role for the president. He basically made up facts that he didn't know. He looks like a... He made up facts that he didn't know. <laughs> there was a question in the press in the press conference today where someone asked William Barr something and uh, they said... You know, if you refer to Donald Trump's emotional state, don't you think that's going a little bit too far? And he looks at the, the guy asking the question just for a second and then looks down at his paperwork because he's a boring bureaucrat, remember? And says, well, actually, uh, I'm just referring to what was written in the Mueller report. So I don't really know the basis of that question. <laughs> and then, like, next. Classic Washington guy at the big desk out in front of the boss who protects the boss. The attorney general is trying to tear it down boss. instead of trying to protect it. He's acting more like a partisan advocate for Trump uh. than he is like the attorney general of the United States. There are reasons to worry about Barr's objectivity. Look at these people, man. <laughs> I love it. Keep, let's carry well, just on. Injecting politics into this. Injecting Nothing politics into has it. happened makes me trust Barr. And his whole career has been built on being a legal Houdini. On the narrative. <laughs> it was obvious from the get-go, from the jump, that Barr was trying to set it. Barr is either whitewashing here, or worst case scenario, engaged wow. in covering something up. Wow. Could the attorney general be part of a cover-up? You think? How do you even have the balls to accuse somebody of a cover-up when they come out and say, I'm releasing the entire report? And, you know, leaders of the committees in the, Cong in the House and the Senate will get an unredacted report except for the parts that I'm legally not allowed to unredact. You will have that. You can have whatever you want. They asked him, do you have any problem with Robert Mueller being called to testify in front of the House? No, I don't care. He can do that. I'll do it. I don't care. And they all, they all kind of sit there looking at each other dumb for a second and go, cover up. <laughs> He's covering it up. Wait, he's covering up the report that he's going to release in like three days? What the hell is wrong with you? I don't think you know what cover-up means. Like, this this might be a little embarrassing, but, you know, I feel like we have to explain something here. Um, you see, generally what happens during a cover-up is, okay, now stay with me here. Stay with me here. During a cover-up, people take information that they don't want released and cover it up. Mind fuck, right? I bet you had no idea. 
sounds crazy, doesn't it? So that's generally what happens during a cover-up. People take information, they don't want it released, and they cover it up. Now, somebody coming out and saying, okay, I'm going to give you all the information that you're asking for, and the people who wrote that information are free to testify and you can ask questions all you like, that's not a cover-up. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It's crazy stuff. That it's going to look like a cover-up. Is Barr covering for Trump or not? Concerns of a cover-up? <laughs> what specifically in the four-page summary do you think uh, could be the cover-up? Donald Trump got his man. He wanted somebody who was going to be loyal. He wanted a protector. He wanted a fixer. And Barr is that. Is William Barr more interested in the rule of law? Good question. Or protecting his boss, Donald Trump? Is he using the rules to protect the president? Given the lengths to which he's... He's, he's using the rules to protect the president? Are you going to protect the president? <laughs> Trying to protect the president. Trying to protect the president. The way that uh, William Barr has handled the, the Mueller report in the early days is, wow. is almost instantly stamping him as the most partisan uh, attorney general. It seems like wow. Barr solidified his image as Donald Trump's Roy Cohn. What the hell did all of these people do before Donald Trump? Honestly, what were they complaining about? Unbelievable stuff. Let's go to a little bit of the hyper-sensationalized William Barr. ...remain at large. But again, the special counsel's report did not find any evidence that members of the Trump campaign or anyone associated with the campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in these hacking operations. It's a cover-up. He's covering something up. He's protecting his boss. He only cares about protecting his boss. William Barr today proved to be the most political partisan AG of all time. His speech today was little more than propaganda to protect his boss, Donald Trump, the president. That's my crusade. Not crusade. What's his name? Chris Matthews. He's protecting his boss. In other words, there was no evidence of the Trump campaign collusion with the Russian government's hacking. The special counsel's investigation also examined Russian efforts to publish stolen emails and documents on the internet. Yes, yeah, he's using the rules. Like, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you use the rules, you, you rule user, you? <laughs> We can't have it. Oh, you know what? I'm sick of these Republican bastards using the rules. How dare they? That, com that guy completely released a report that no one had a right to see, and he's covering it up. Exactly. <laughs> he even said it in the press conference. I don't have to give you any report. The, the Mueller report is not for you. It's not for the public. He wrote it for me. It's a confidential report wrote, written for me. So I don't have to give you shit but I'm giving it to you anyway. And then they're like, ah, oh, he's covering it up. <laughs> he's covering up something he's releasing. That's what, that's what I was saying at the start. Like, I'm, I'm seldom surprised by the corporate press anymore, but I never thought I'd be watching, you know, panel shows where people are accusing a guy of covering something up that he's literally releasing to the public. It's insane. It's utter insanity. And, you know, I don't know if they're insane or they're incredibly sane and they're trying to make us question our sanity. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's a very chicken and egg thing. Crazy chicken and egg pumped with LSD.
Like, I don't know which came first. The special counsel found that after the GRU disseminated some of the stolen documents to entities that it controlled, DC Leaks and Guccifer II, the GRU transferred some of the stolen materials to WikiLeaks for publication. WikiLeaks then made a series of document dumps. The special counsel dumps. You see what I mean? He's a very, very boring person. And you, if you if you were watching the corporate press, you know, covering this today, you would think that it was you. You would think that he was out here doing cartwheels, wearing a bikini, you know, chugging beer. Yeah, motherfuckers, check out all his report, man. There is some dope shit in this report. Tune in at 9 a.m. to watch William Barr release the Mueller report. You know what I mean? After that, we'll listen to some ACDC and drink some beer. He's like, yeah. Then things were released to WikiLeaks, and then there was no evidence found, and then there was no collusion. And then I got the report, and I released it. (laughs) Bombshell. It was riveting television. Like, are we just more bored as a society now? Are we more ent- are we more entertained by things now? Is this is this genuinely entertaining for people watching this guy do this? <laughs> I don't fucking get it. But that's the Trump effect. Everything is hyper intensified and hyper sensationalized to the point where you know people are seeing ghosts, people are seeing monsters where there are no monsters. So investigated whether any member or affiliate of the Trump campaign encouraged or otherwise played a role in these dissemination efforts. Under applicable law, publication of these types of materials... People have been talking about Rod Rosenstein, but to be fair, the other guy on the other side, he's not doing much either. Why are they there? Why are they standing there on stage? It's so awkward and cringy. You know what I mean? Like, why? Why are you here? Rod, why are you here? Like, is he a wingman or something for this guy? What the hell's going? <laughs> what the hell's going on? Or did he just want to be on TV? It's like, honey, make sure you're recording because I'm going to be on TV tonight. Okay. <laughs> James is saying AG Barr took Rod hostage a few weeks ago. <laughs> He's definitely thinking, help me. Material <laughs> would not be criminal unless the publisher also participated. Good question in the chat. Who is the guy with the beard? I've got no idea. I've got no idea who the guy with the beard was. But if you were listening to yesterday's show, he is officially more filthy than a dog because we went over that study that was released last week. Dogs are cleaner than men with beards. So he resisted the urge to scratch for 25 minutes that William Barr was on stage. And for that, well done. Well done, you filthy bearded peasant, you. Congratulations, you flea-ridden bastard. The underlying Amazing self-control. Hacking conspiracy. Here, too, the special counsel's report did not find that any person associated with the Trump campaign illegally participated in the dissemination of the materials. Finally, the special counsel investigated a number of links or contacts between the Trump campaign officials and individuals connected with the Russian government that's true, Rhonda in the chat. They helped with the redactions. I know we we did that on Trust and Verify, James, didn't we? What, two, three weeks ago? We we read the it was a New York Times report. And it said Will Robert Robert Mueller is helping William Barr with which information should be redacted from the report. 
and all of these idiots, like, you know, on MSNBC, CNN and whatnot, they're going, ah, oh, cover up, cover up, cover up. So what, does that mean Robert Mueller is involved in the cover up as well? What the fuck is going on here? What the hell is going on? A lot of people are talking about impeachment, but a lot of people are not. This is also something that we've spoken about on Trust and Verify. It's a very, we're, I'm, I'm shilling Trust and Verify tonight, unintentionally. Dems run from impeachment post Mueller. 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 House Democrats are reluctant to peach Trump despite learning of 10 instances of obstruction of justice in the special counsel's report. Robert Mueller's report reveals a stunning array of new allegations against President Donald Trump, but one thing remains the same. House Democrats are ducking any talk of impeachment. You know why? Because the top Democrats in the Democratic Party are not morons. They may appear to be morons, they may look stupid, but I can assure you they are not stupid. They are probably incredibly cunning and have, you know, particularly sharp political instincts most of the time. Thanks for joining us, Smokey Bear. For two years, Nancy Pelosi and top Democrats deferred impeachment questions until after the special counsel's investigation concluded. But after Mueller showed at least 10 instances in which Trump may have committed obstruction of justice and ostensibly met the, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors threshold previously laid out by several Democrats, Pelosi and her top deputies were notably restrained. They issued short statements and made few, if any, media appearances. Quote, Based on what we've seen to date, going forward on impeachment is not worthwhile at this point, House Majority Leader Steiny Hoyer said, the number two Democrat. Very frankly, there is an election in 18 months and the American people will make a judgment. Yet that stance only further exposes the divide between the party's liberal base eager to oust the president and a seasoned leadership team fearful that such a move could cost the party the house. And this is what we've been saying for months and months on end. The trouble for Nancy Pelosi is she needs to appeal to the hard left who want to impeach Donald Trump. But she knows that if she tries to impeach Donald Trump, who is too popular to impeach, then it will end up being a complete and utter devastation for the Democrats in two years' time. <clears throat> That's exactly what happened when the Republicans tried to impeach Bill Clinton. It did not work out for them politically. It boomeranged and they got absolutely slaughtered in the following elections. And people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were around back then. They know what it was like. So they know that going for moving for impeachment would not be a smart move. But people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and... Rashida Talib and such and such. Well, they're just in they're just fresh in. They don't really understand what they're doing. And they're like, no, we're gonna impeach the motherfucker. Remember that? Remember that? But the top Democrats know it would be political suicide to do it. So they've been trying to walk away from that ever since. Mueller's report paints a damning portrait of Trump's presidency. The Trump presidency has long... This is the uh, the Washington Post. Like I said, I spent the day scouring corporate media, looking looking for the fair and balanced reporting, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> With President Trump repeatedly stretching the limits of what is considered appropriate conduct by the nation's chief executive. So now we've, we've moved on from collusion. We've moved on from conspiracy. We've moved on from any kind of criminal activity. Now we're just, we're, now we're going to impeach him because it, he, he acts in an inappropriate fashion. Ah, okay. 
Okay. The principal focus of the special counsel's investigation was on questions of criminal- criminality, but there is more than the issue of what rises to the level of criminal conspiracy or criminal obstruction when judging a president and his administration. These are questions that go to the heart of what is acceptable or normal or advisable in a democracy. On that basis, the Mueller report provides a damning portrait of the president and those around him for actions taken during the 2016 campaign and while in office. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see the setup happening before your eyes? Politics and the dance that they do with the corporate press is a slow motion car wreck where the little baby gets beheaded by the truck moving in the opposite direction, but it happens so slowly, you can see each piece of skin being ripped. It's horrific. Because they know that there's nothing in here that's criminal, and they've known it for such a long time. But again, the whole point of this report, the whole point of the investigations is not to get to any any kind of truth. It's not to find any kind of criminal action. It is to have an ambiguous cloud of guilt hanging over the president, a questionable cloud of guilt hanging over the president for the next two years in any way you can see fit in order to make that the basis for your campaign to eject him from the White House. Because the lines are going to be, hey, how can you trust Donald Trump? Look at all the investigations that are going on into Donald Trump. How can you trust a president like that? Robert Mueller found damning evidence in his report. William Barr covered it up. Yeah. It's all a big conspiracy. You're being hoodwinked. The 448-page document is replete with evidence of repeated lying by public officials and others of the president urging not to tell the truth, of the president seeking to shut down the investigation, of a Trump campaign hoping to benefit politically from Russian hacking and leaks of information damaging to its opponent, of a White House in chaos and operating under abnormal rules. But of course, in all of that, not breaking a single solitary fucking law ever. Hey, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like these guys did everything wrong except break the law. <gasps> oh, oh, wow, wow! It was the worst thing ever. It was the most horrible thing ever. They did everything wrong. They broke every norm. They did every inappropriate thing you could do. They trashed de- democratic institutions. Anything illegal? Well, no, right. So it's just shit you don't like. Fair enough. Now we're going to impeach the guy because he does things you don't like and says things you don't like. Not because he broke any kind of law. Not because he broke any kind of official rule. No, just because he won. Because he won. CNN. Mueller found a ton of collusion. Only sophisticated people can see it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't see the collusion in the Mueller report... You're a dumbass. I went, I went back and read the charge to uh, Mr. Mueller when he was mm-hmm. appointed, and he is supposed to, pr- to produce a report uh, not just about charging or not charging, yes. but also to find out what the hell happened. And yes. he has really done pretty well at it, <laughs> given the obstructive behavior of the President of the United States <laughs> and those around Destructive behavior. <laughs> 
around him and the lying, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, we also still need to see the unredacted report. Obviously, there are some uh, sections that are redacted for legitimate sure. reasons of national security, disclosing sources of a lot of grand jury but stuff in here too to, that they should be able to need, get cleared. We need the grand jury material. Yeah. This report wow. already is the connective tissue that explains everything we almost we've been reporting over the past two years. <laughs> so again, now remember, for the last two years, they put all their chips, they put all their bets on Robert Mueller, on Robert Mueller, okay? Robert Mueller is, the walls are closing in, the noose is tightening around Donald Trump's neck. Robert Mueller is so far up the ass of Donald Trump, he can taste what he ate for breakfast, Right? Robert Mueller knows everything. Robert Mueller is the key. Robert Mueller is the guy who's going to bring all this down. Wait till we get the Mueller report. Then we'll know everything. When we get the Mueller report, we'll have everything we need. Now, these very same people, ladies and gentlemen, they think so little of you. They think so little of you and your intelligence that they are now going to say to you that Robert Mueller... Two years, thousands of subpoenas, hours of depositions, hundreds of interviews. Just because he didn't find collusion, well, that doesn't mean we can't find it. In the report that he gave. So Robert Mueller's, collu- Robert Mueller's conclusion is that there is no collusion. And the same, the same media, in order to perpetuate the myth that they are right and that they have been right for the last two years, are going to say, just because Robert Mueller did not find collusion in his own report that he penned himself, doesn't mean that there isn't collusion in there. And if only we can get the if only we can get the sections redacted that deal directly with the grand jury indictments, <laughs> then we will be able to see collusion where Robert Mueller did not see collusion. It is utterly insane. It's here in substance, in nuance, in context, and it's there for all people of goodwill in this country if they're not so dug in uh, politically or ideologically (laughs) to process the information and make some sophisticated judgments. (laughs) You see, you see, ladies and gentlemen, people who aren't dug in, people who aren't acting on an ideological urge just to be right, will see collusion where Robert Mueller does not see it. (laughs) You know, people of goodwill in this country will be able to find collusion in Robert Mueller's report, even though he fucking didn't. That's the key thing here. Sophisticated people will see the context. They will see the nuance. Robert, he's, he's by proxy. He's saying that Robert Mueller is a moron. He's saying that Robert Mueller is too stupid to understand the context and nuance in his own report. (laughs) Again, I can't help but like, like I said at the start of the show, I'm, I'm never surprised by the corporate press anymore, but today I was surprised. I was like, really? This, this is the angle you're going for? This this is the this is the hill you're going to die on. That there is def there is most definitely there is most exactly Lady Fritzer in the chat. She's like fuck reality. 
<laughs> Reality's overrated, baby. There is so much evidence in the Mueller report. There is so much evidence that people of goodwill who aren't dug into a particular side, they will be able to see it and prove that we've been right here on CNN for the last two years. <laughs> About the behavior of everybody I've mentioned. Behavior. Sophisticated judgments is the operative phrase because I don't know how in good conscience, if you have a, do- a dose of shame in you and you oh, want to support God. the president, that's fine. Stick to criminality. Stay away from the word collusion because there's a ton of collusion. There's a ton of clever, secretive behavior. And <laughs> Mueller lays it all out. The idea- <laughs> But he said that there's no collusion. Mueller lays it all out and then at the end of his report says, but we have no evidence for collusion. But apparently, they, like I said... Uh, I don't know if they're insane or they are insane trying to make the public insane to question their own sanity. Are they insane or are they trying to make you sit there and ask yourself, am I crazy? Like, what am I missing here? Am I, am I really watching this? Robert Mueller lays out all... Robert Mueller lays out the argument for collusion and then at the end of laying out all of the argument for collusion, turns around and says, there is no collusion. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Let's keep it going. Let's keep this hot box burning, baby. Turn it back to Jeffrey for one second, where you were you were talking about Don, Don McGahn, and you know it, the the description of the president calling McGahn. He says, "You got to do this. You got to call Rod." And this was about getting rid of getting rid of Mueller. And- you got to you got to call Rod, Dan. You've got to call Rod. This thing has to go away. It seems to me in reading through all this and McGann did not act. Spy the liar. Thanks for joining us. No, they are insane. (laughs) Act on it. That McGann saved the president. They could be. They could be. I think. Absolutely. Hold on one second. The exact quote, and I I want to be precise, uh, in this Mueller report, at the end of that conversation when the president heard that uh, Mueller was going to launch his own special investigation, he said, and this is a quote in the Mueller report, this is the end of my presidency. Right. I'm, and then he used uh, the F word. Yeah. I'm effed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we have evidence of collusion, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, CNN unearthing. Fantastic. This must be that sophisticated evidence that you you have to be incredibly smart and nonpartisan to figure out. Well, I'm fucked now. <laughs> I'm fucked. Well, this is Donald Trump admitting that he was colluding with Vladimir Putin all along. Don't you see? Don't you see how deceptive, what a deceptive, evil genius he is? Remember Bill Barr, ladies and gentlemen? The villainous Bill Barr. <laughs> he said effed. He said effed. Yes, Wolf. Donald Trump said, I believe I'm effed. Jake Tapper. Uh, right. And then he goes on and, do- and does this. And McGahn refuses time and time again. You know, he didn't correct the New York Times piece where the president wanted him to issue a correction. And he didn't call Rod. Because it wasn't a correction. We should Because it wasn't a correction. Because it, 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 it would have been a lie. Correct. Well, he said it was true. Right. It was true. And then he didn't, you know, he didn't ask uh, Rosenstein to fire Mueller. The president was trying to do this. And I think time and time again, people were... We're not listening to him, particularly his White House counsel, who... Un- 
they are just making it up. Whoever this lovely young lady is, and I'm sure she's lovely, she has no idea what Donald Trump was thinking or saying to his inner circle at any given time. None of these people do. It's a con act. They are, they are justifying their own existence. Well, I, I have it from sources. I know Donald Trump, when he was saying this, he was really thinking this. It's an inference game. Everything is a game of inference and implication. <clears throat> very, very little of what we see in the corporate press now is actually drilled down accurate stuff. And again, you know, I've said it before, if you want to, we did a video, it goes for about an hour and a half. It's called The Complete Deconstruction of Jim Acosta, where we prove beyond a, beyond a reasonable doubt that Jim Acosta is not a reporter in the strict definitional sense of the term. He's not a reporter because he injects subjective opinion into his quote-unquote reports constantly from one sentence to the next sentence to the next sentence to the next sentence. Exactly what these people do here. This is not reporting. They are not reporting on the Mueller report. They are constructing a story to go with the Mueller report. It's two totally different things. You know, they're, they're, giving, they're giving acting notes beneath a script. If, if you read a script, if you've ever done any kind of theatre or anything like that, you read a script and there's a line and then they'll put notes there as well. Like, you know, in this particular scene, you are angry because of such and such. You know, in this scene, you're upset because Dorothy, you know, crushed your, ruined your favourite house and, you know, stole your slippers. <laughs> that took an hour. It took 90 minutes. We were very thorough. Very thorough. Let's go to James Clapper, ladies and gentlemen. A man with a man with credibility up the wazoo. Joining us now, former director of national intelligence, Jim Clapper. He's now a CNN national security analyst, of course. Good to see you, sir, as always. First of all, Hello, your take sir. on how the AG has handled this process uh, culminating in today. Well, to be honest, uh, Chris, I'm uh, a bit disappointed. Uh, oh. I think uh, the attorney general clearly is trying to paint as favorable a light <laughs> on the Mueller report as possible, and when you read it, uh, it's pretty devastating. It's devastating. Uh, I'll tell you, though, the, th the big thing for me, the big deal for me in this What's was the big deal laying for you? out in very rich detail yep. the magnitude and pervasiveness of the Russian interference in uh -huh. our election in 2016. Uh -huh. And uh, personally gratifying because of the intelligence community assessment that we rendered on January 6th. We know, ladies and gentlemen, we've played all the clips before. Uh, what The Google advertising from the Russians, the, the Russians, about $4,000 of Google advertisements, which they said under oath to when asked a question by Jerry Nadler. How much did Russia engage in, you know, political campaigning during the, during the election campaign? And the guy from Google was like, really, do you want me to answer that? Are you sure? He's like, yes, of course. He's like, okay, $4,000. <laughs> And Nadler was like, next question, next question. We had the uh, the the lawyer for the solicitor for Twitter in a Senate hearing, I think it was. He was asked, can you tell us the extent of the Russian misinformation campaign on Twitter? And he said, yes, we can. Uh, you know, during the election cycle of 2016, 0.0001% of all tweets came from Russia. 
This this is the this is ladies and gentlemen, this is the orchestrated devastating campaign to meddle in your elections. This four thousand dollars worth of advertising on Google, zero point zero 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 one percent of tweets on Twitter, and about two hundred thousand dollars of Facebook advertising, and a bunch of uh, sock accounts that were created. That's that's it. Now I would suggest. If the good people of Ohio and Alabama and Mississippi and Florida and North and South Carolina and Utah, if these people could be convinced by a Facebook commercial or $4,000 worth of advertising on Google (laughs) that they must vote for Donald Trump, then... You know, America isn't the strongest country on earth. If that's all it takes, hey, if that's all it takes, I'm going to take out a loan myself and I will, I will control the president. I will decide the next president of the United States of America. Me! $4,000, a few accounts on Twitter. Next thing you know, we are rocking and rolling and we own the White House, baby. Yes! Yes! Yes. First order of business. Send all of your guns and burgers and attractive women to Australia immediately. (laughs) Yes, well, we have decided we love our brothers and sisters down there in Australia, so we're going to send them a whole bunch of assault rifles and barbecue ribs. And all of the attractive blonde women in California will now go to Australia, but they will live on the island of Tasmania where they cannot corrupt the politics of the mainland. <laughs> I'll be in my lair, awaiting the arrival of my assault rifles and burgers and women <laughs> with my $4,000 investment to capture the White House. I love Vladimir Putin. Oh, let's stick with a little more of this because he, he does say something pretty, pretty obscene here. Of 2017, briefed then President-elect Trump on about the magnet about the Russian interference but this mm-hmm. report we only scratched the surface and I hope uh, Americans will take the time to read that you know collusion obstruction aside the big deal to me is is a magnitude of the Russian interference and no one can say they didn't interfere and and in fact I think taint the election uh, did you pick that up Collusion and obstruction to us to one side. Let's put collusion and obstruction to one side. What? What? <laughs> Wasn't that the whole fucking point of this report in the first place? What do you mean put collusion and obstruction to one side? You know what? You, you know we've we've you know Chris, we've been spending a lot of time on this show talking about the topics of collusion and obstruction. But let me tell you the real point of the Mueller report. The real point of the Mueller report was to find out that Russia meddled in the election. Oh, really? Really? That's interesting. So, they, you know, no collusion, no no obstruction. Eh, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. And actually, what uh, William Barr said, he I, I remember it stuck out to me. He said, there is evidence that Russia attempted to interfere in the election. But you'll notice people like James Clapper are just conveniently taking the word attempted out. Just removing attempted from the equation. Russia attempted to interfere in the election. Russia interfered in the election. It's only one word, but it makes a big difference to some people. 
Where were we? Got another little clip for you here. Ready to rock and roll. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Why, why? Nicole Wallace completely loses it after bar presser. Triggered. This was an investigation at its core about Donald Trump's daily, sometimes hourly, assault on the rule of law in this country. <laughs> As the country's chief executive, he sat in his pajamas watching Fox and Friends maligning the FBI, maligning Robert Mueller, maligning Rod Rosenstein. So, the, you know, Bill Barr didn't walk into that room with the scale at zero. Rule of law w w had a deficit because Donald Trump had been kicking it in the teeth for 22 months. And what the country's attorney general did was walk in there and back up the guy doing the kicking. So the question for me now turns to why? Why? And why did they, I mean, it also goes back you have an to, answer to the, for that. I know, but it goes back to the obstruction memo. I mean, did they just happen to pick a guy who just happened to have so much free time that he just happened to write a 19-page memo saying that a president couldn't obstruct justice and that Robert Mueller, who you described, I'm sure accurately as his friend, should never, ever be able to query the president on the topic of obstruction. I mean, it just puts in place, and, and there will be a strong wave of trying to bully the press, saying it's over, it's over, no collusion, no obstruction. Really? <laughs> then why did all that happen today? We're trying to help you, you dumb bitch. We're trying to help you. Don't you see? We're not bullying you. Why does everybody think everything is bullying now? Oh, everybody's going to be out trying to bully the press saying it's over, it's over, it's over. It's, no, we're trying to help you, man. This is an intervention. This is an intervention. This was your moment. This was your time. This was your release valve. This was your opportunity to sit back and say, look, let's put this behind us. Let's put this whole thing behind us, this collusion thing, because it's killing us, man. This drug called collusion is killing us. But they can't like a good addict. A good addict, they can't help themselves. They're sitting there, you know, slapping their arm. Oh, one more hit. Oh, I just need one more hit. One more hit of the good stuff, baby. Come on. You know that. You know, I, I I don't have a problem. I don't have a collusion problem. You know, I may have lost my job. I, I may have worked at BuzzFeed at one point. I may have lost my job over this, but I don't have a problem. I'm not addicted. I can quit whenever I want. But what I don't like is people coming in and trying to tell me that I need to stop doing it. Because it's like, fuck you, man. I can stop whenever I want. I just don't want to. This is too important. This is too important. I need this. I need this, damn it. Oh, yeah. Oh, Page 85 of the report. Did you see that shit? Donald Trump said we're fucked. Oh, yeah. Golden brown, texture like sun. Why have we heard from Barr five times if the Mueller report is so awesome for Donald Trump? We have now heard from someone who is a human shield of Mueller's findings five times. If Mueller exonerated Trump, on collusion, if there's yep. nothing ugly in there, yep. why have we heard from Barr five times? Maybe because you keep demanding it. <laughs> Maybe that might be it. Maybe because you're addicted, baby. Why have we heard from Barr five times? Because like a good little addict, you come rolling up in a back alley somewhere and say, hey, have you got any more Barr clips? 
Have you got any more bar? Bah. Bah. <laughs> I'm having too much fun with this. <laughs> this is an ABC News special. The Mueller Report. Here now, George Stephanopoulos. Good the Mueller Report. Here again because it's 11 o'clock mm -hmm. in the East, the time that William Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, said that the Mueller Report would be sent to Congress. It will be released to the public shortly thereafter, to which point we are going to share those results with you. Share Robert Mueller's words with you. We have already heard from the... <laughs> Hold him down, you Zulu warrior. Hold him down, you Zulu chief. <laughs> Good question in the chat. Irish Grant, why hasn't Mueller come out and said that he's wrong? Why? Because he's a Russian too, you see. Because he's obviously dug in. Remember the words of the Watergate guy, Bernstein. He said, anybody that doesn't come out and say that there is collusion in a report must be a partisan hack, essentially, right? Because good intention people of virtue true <laughs> will be able to see collusion in the report where Robert Mueller himself cannot see it. Because you see, it's very sophisticated. It's very nuanced. You, you need to look at it in context. And I'm afraid if you're not sophisticated enough to see collusion in the report, well, then you must be some kind of knuckle-dragging, drooling moron. Like Robert Mueller, apparently. <laughs> Remember the guy? Remember the guy who was the hero for the last two years? Now, not so much. Now, he's too stupid to find the evidence in the own report that he penned himself with the evidence that he gathered himself. He can't even see the collusion, but we can. Here at CNN, we see collusion where nobody else does. We're not crazy. You're crazy. You're the crazy one. I'm not crazy. <laughs> it's like if you're standing at a bus stop and next to a guy who looks a bit disheveled, you know, he hasn't had a bath for a week or two. He kind of smells and he says, oh my God, man, look across the street. Do you see, do you see the elephants dancing across it? Pit, look out, look out. Pink elephants round your bed. Here they come. Clippity cloppity. Right. Start singing pink elephants from the Dumbo movie. And you're kind of standing there going, man, I don't, I don't see any, I don't see any pink elephants, dude. I don't see any pink elephants. And he turns around to you and says, well, you're not just, you're just not sophisticated enough. You see, I can see the pink elephants. And be, the fact that you can't see the pink elephants proves to me that you're crazy. <laughs> any sane person would be able to see the pink elephant in a tutu dancing around on the other side of the street. You can't. That means you're dumb. And I'm smart. I'm the smartest man on earth. I can see the pink elephants. You can't. I don't trust you. Any good person would be able to see the pink elephants. Attorney General this morning, extraordinary press conference at 9.30 this morning, where he laid out, again, his conclusions on what Robert Mueller has found, emphasizing the William Barr, the Attorney General, that mm. Robert Mueller, he says, yep. found no evidence that there was an illegal conspiracy. He, he could not establish an illegal conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia. And Barr's conclusion where he did say there were disagreements over the law with Robert Mueller, that the president did not obstruct justice. I want to bring mm. in our chief White House correspondent, John Carl, there in Washington with our team prepared to read through the entire <laughs> John report. Carl. We also know, John, Give it to me, Johnny Mueller boy. and others, that the president's team had briefings on this report over the last couple of days. Uh, we have learned that the president's legal team was briefed twice uh, this week, okay. uh, on given a chance to read the entire Bombshell. report. Uh, but we also heard... Uh, that there was no attempt by the president's legal team or by the White House to redact any of the material based on executive privilege. And that is... <laughs> what? 
What happened to the cover-up? Remember, it was a cover-up? William Barr, this is a cover-up. William Barr is acting on behalf of Donald Trump. He's acting like his personal attorney. And he's going to try to cover up this report. Yeah, that's what he's going to do. He's going to cover it up. He's going to cover it up because he's unethical. He's evil. He's an evil genius operating from his lair. And he's going to cover up the Mueller report for the benefit of the orange bastard Donald Trump. By the way, all of our reporting over the last two years on the Mueller report has been accurate, my man. <sighs> the good stuff. Oh, one more hit. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump is so good at covering things up, he puts it out there uncovered and people accuse him of covering it like he's a genius. He's an absolute fucking genius. He's the only he's the only politician I've known in, you know, all of human history to put something out there, refuse to cover it up and then still cover it up. He's some kind of magician. It's like now you see it, now you don't. Ooh, ooh. Left hand or right hand? Here's the report, and abracadabra, it's gone. <laughs> Again, we're in the, we are most definitely in the post-truth era where William Barr delivers a report to the public, which he, he has no obligation to deliver, a confidential report. He has no obligation to make this available to the public whatsoever. He doesn't have to, but he is. He's making it available to the public. And in that report, Donald Trump had the, you know, the legal right to redact things based on executive privilege, and he refused to do so. He didn't redact anything. Nothing in the report has been redacted by the White House on the basis of executive privilege. And we live in a time where these two things equal to the corporate press that Donald Trump and William Barr are trying to cover it up. <laughs> good, good comment in the chat. Invisible ink. <laughs> you got to read it quickly. <laughs> it's significant, George, because through the course of this investigation, Robert Mueller interviewed many of the president's closest advisors, including his White House counsel, former White House counsel Don McGahn. And what Barr said is that this report, uh, although Barr himself has made a conclusion that we've already known about. Uh, that, that he doesn't believe the president was guilty of obstruction and, of justice. And, and John, this reports, we, yes, the, the report now the report has been posted. The report has been posted publicly. So we're going to now try to go to the report itself. We're going to do this deliberately. We're going to take our time. We're going to make sure you all understand exactly what Robert Mueller wrote. And I want to begin with quotes, and I'm going to bring in our team on this from the obstruction bring in a of team. justice. Bring section. in the team, baby. Uh, one of the things that Robert Mueller wrote is that several features of the conduct we investigated it distinguish it from typical obstruction of justice cases. First of all, he said the investigation concerns the president's and some of his actions, such as the firing of the FBI director, involves facially lawful acts within his Article II authority, which raises constitutional issues. But he also points out that the president, as the head of the executive branch, has unique and powerful means to influence official yep. proceedings, subordinate officers, and potential witnesses, all of which is relevant to potential obstruction of justice analysis. <laughs> The, and then the third point he brings out is that the evidence did not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to Russian election interference. Although the obstruction statutes do not require proof of such a crime, he continues, the absence of the evidence affects the analysis of the president's intent and requires consideration of other possible motives for his conduct. Isn't, isn't what's the saying? I'll probably butcher the saying, but isn't the saying something along the lines of uh, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence? Isn't that a thing? 
by the way, they're not retracting anything. <laughs> they're not redacting anything. So, <laughs> you know, have at it. Uh, I want to go to this. Danang Dick. Danang Dick was wheeled out earlier today to make some statements. Here he is. Let's see what Danang Dick's got to say for himself. He's individual number one, an unindicted co-conspirator. Ah, is he? That investigation is ongoing. So there is still more to be done here. Uh, but I really want to emphasize what really has been most stunning and chilling for me. Chilling. And that is the Russian attack on our democracy. Ah, see now, we've see how the, the, the change in discussion has gone full circle now, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I was I was talking last night. I was it was actually uh, earlier today, but I slept in between. Time difference is a real son of a bitch. Uh, I spoke with Chris McDonald uh, just after he covered the the bar press release. You can follow him at Chris Mac forty four. And I posed the question to Chris. I wonder what the Democrats are doing now. Like I wonder what they're coming up with, because guaranteed the Democrats are now in a room somewhere. And they're discussing a strategy like, okay, what do we say? How do we frame this? How how can we move the ball down the field? How can we keep winning on this? You know what I mean? Even they could, even though they're not winning, they would think that they are. How can we how can we capture back you know the conversation here? How can we control the narrative and steer it in the direction we want? So I was wondering, you know, what angle are the Democrats going to take on this? And now we've seen it. James Clapper said the exact same thing that uh, Dirty Dick said just now. Well, you know, let's not worry too much about collusion and let's not worry too much about obstruction. The real problem here is Russia's attack on our democracy. <laughs> there you have it. The, the new talking point emerges, ladies and gentlemen. We're still right because we've been saying all along that Russia is the problem. Just because there's no collusion and no obstruction doesn't mean that there isn't a problem here with Russia. A concerted and effective social media and hacking campaign done <laughs> again 0.0001% of all tweets during the 2016 election campaign $4000 of advertising on Google $200,000 of advertising on Facebook and a handful of social media accounts that were run literally by people who work for a Russian catering company this was the widespread and effective campaign to quote unquote meddle in the election also, what they never mention here is the amount of times that these Russians were actually in the tank for Hillary Clinton. You'll remember one of the biggest uh, pro-Clinton rallies, anti-Donald Trump rallies, was in New York City, ladies and gentlemen. And on one of the previous episodes, we played we played the footage of this rally. And it came out in, uh, I forget which report it was, some investigation into Russian meddling, that this pro-Hillary Clinton rally, which... MSNBC had reporters on the ground saying this is the best rally I've ever been to was organized by Russians. It was organized by Russians. Maybe I can find it. Give me one second. It never seems to come up. It never seems to come up. Da, 
very professional. Very professional stuff. Okay. Okay, here we go. Let me move this one up here. Anti-Trump protests continue across the US as 10,000 march in New York. Demonstrators from Union Square to Trump Tower while million women protesters plan for inauguration day in Washington, D.C. In New York, where peaceful marches along downtown streets have taken place since Wednesday, the day after Trump's shock presidential election victory over Hillary Clinton, more than 10,000 people indicated on Facebook that they would attend a noon march from Union Square to Trump Tower, the future president's home and corporate headquarters. As marches mustered at East 17th Street and Broadway, organisers estimated the turnout at 2,000. As the march began to move, however, the true figure seemed closer to the promised 10,000. Chanting, not my president, the crowd set off, a, uh, set off up Fifth Avenue under heavy police escort. A call and response developed, protesters chanting, whose streets, our streets. Last November, after the days after the election, thousands of people gathered for a rally in New York to protest Donald Trump, The Guardian reported. It turns out those were also Russian streets. The Hill reports that this particular protest was organised on Facebook by a Russian group calling itself Black Matters US, which many people mistakenly assumed was some kind of Black, Matters, Black Lives Matter offshoot. The demonstration in New York City, which took place a few days after the election, appears to be the largest and most successful known effort to date pulled off by, quote, Russian-linked groups intent on using social media platforms to influence American politics. The Black Matters organising group was connected to the Internet Research Agency, a Russian troll farm with ties to the Kremlin, according to a recent investigation by the Russian magazine RBC. Facebook has identified the Internet Research Agency as the group responsible for purchasing 3,000 political ads on Facebook's platform and operating 470 accounts that are, appear to have been uh, have attempted to influence the perspectives of Americans during the 2016 elections. There you go. 10,000 people marching on behalf of Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen, organised by the Russians. Does Dirty Dick say anything about that? You bet your and sweet ass he doesn't. The Russian attack on our democracy, a concerted and effective social media and hacking campaign done by the Russian GRU. Twelve of those operatives have been indicted and apparently welcomed by the Trump campaign. The president himself denied <laughs> that interference. He has chosen to believe Vladimir Putin over our own intelligence community. Uh, and that is an ongoing danger. 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 Democracy. Danger, Will the Robinson. Russians are continuing their attack. And they will do it again unless they are made to pay a price. And Made to pay a price. Portions of the obstruction section of this report mm. which show the president's conversations with dan Coates oh, yeah. and admiral rogers i commend particularly to your attention okay because they on the upside ladies and gentlemen this little uh 20 minute press conference well it's about 40 minutes from Danang dick 
only got two and a half thousand views on Periscope. So arguably, uh, this this foreigner that you are colluding with here, this Australian down here in Sydney, is getting you know about fifty percent of the views that one of the quote unquote most powerful Democrats gets talking about Russian collusion. <laughs> horrifying, isn't it? Absolutely horrifying. Uh, Katyal, prosecutors don't uh, don't consider feelings, frustrations of people they're investigating. MSNBC. Any attorney general that I've ever known in the past, and they had had the responsibility today of giving the press conference. If you had a report that said the Russians interfered with our election, don't you think you would have said something about what Donald Trump said about that, that it wasn't Russia, it might have been a 400 pound mm-hmm. guy. Um, he also tweeted once the Mueller probe should never have been started. And there was no collusion and there was no crime. Trump was wrong about those things. That's what the Mueller report after 22 months said. And the attorney general never said a word about that. And Neil, uh, since when do we talk about the feelings and emotions of the subject of an investigation the day the report is issued. Yeah, and not just the day of, but just imagine a prosecutor. If a prosecutor... (laughs) Why are we talking about the feelings and emotions of Donald Trump when the report was released? Because it was in the report. Because it was in the report. Because the report was lacking so much in actual, you know, hard fact that they had to refer to inferences that they could garner regarding the president's emotional state when printing certain comments in the report, which apparently somebody said, oh, this person said this, therefore we think that Donald Trump was really angry. So it's actually, they actually make mention of Donald Trump's emotional state in the report, which is highly unusual, highly unusual. But because William Barr referred to that, well, he's the problem, and he's trying to cover up a, a report that he's releasing to the public, which he has no obligation to do so. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. All right. I think we'll leave William Barr there. We might take a quick five-minute break. I've got so much more to get through unrelated to William Barr entirely, some pretty crazy stories from around the web. We'll take a quick five-minute break break hope you stick around we'll have some more fun on the other side if you do stick around we'll see you in five if you don't so long sucker thanks for joining us see you soon hello everybody this is chris mcdonald i want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our mac files broadcast every monday through friday night from 9 30 to 10 30 right here on periscope youtube and facebook live we always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith Make America Great Again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have Pastor Ronnie Mitchell join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes, alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TABshow.com. 
friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3am Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has, is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's, it's, there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you trampling on your dreams you need to get rid of them that's selling fear there's fear of freedom i mean why do why do you think why do you think safe spaces exist the people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings trigger warnings just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them.
coming in hot. Welcome back, everyone. Charge your glasses. Let's rock and roll. Part two. The Daily Boogie. All right. Thanks for sticking around, guys. Got plenty more to get through. Like I said, going to try to have some fun. Welcome back. Welcome back, yes. Welcome back. Australians who are fans of a comedian called the 12th man will know that reference. Welcome back. Welcome back, yes. Welcome back. All right. What have I got for you? Let's, let's get right back into it, shall we? Man paid flatmate 170 pounds to cut off his penis in a drunken bid to go viral. Ladies and gentlemen, if the horror of living in a world where social media stardom and the draw of becoming an e-celebrity was just too much to bear for some people, that they would go to extraordinary lengths, you know, creating hoax hate crimes, for example, constructing drama, you know, anything to get those clicks, anything to get that attention. If you thought that was bad enough, then guess again. Also, the question here is, can we monetize, can we monetize self-mutilation? <laughs> man paid flatmate 170 pounds to cut off his penis in drunken bid to go viral. A British man, of course, <laughs> a drunken British man, allegedly paid his flatmate 200 euros or 170 pounds to cut his penis off and promised him more if footage of the amputation went viral. Yes, because I'm sure when we're looking at... Look at the history of viral videos here. Uh, monkey pissing in his own mouth. Various cat videos. These are the kinds of things that go viral. I'm not sure if a guy getting his penis chopped off would qualify. That's not something you can show on Facebook, is it, mate? You didn't think this through. You didn't think this through, like with the blood and the screaming and the brandishing of a weapon. Like you, you really didn't think this through if you thought this was going to go viral, if this was going to be shared around. The 33-year-old English teacher was seen bleeding heavily in the northern Spanish city of Zaragoza last month, sparking a bizarre police investigation. His mutilated penis was discovered in a bag at his home after officers reportedly followed a trail of blood to his flat. <laughs> According to local reports, an operation to reattach the man's penis had been successful. Well, that's a, well, okay. <sighs> Whew, dodged a bullet there. <laughs> his flatmate was detained by police, but the expat reportedly did not want to press charges and waived his right to compensation before flying back to Britain. Yeah, don't give me any money. Don't, you know, I don't want this in the press. It emerged this week that he offered the Spaniard money to carry out the stunt. 
The unnamed Brit planned to film the amputation and share it online and would pay his flatmate more money if it proved a hit online, according to local paper Geraldo del Aragon. It's believed he promised him between two and a half thousand euros and five thousand euros, depending on the number of hits. Wow. <laughs> so, so, I tell you what, mate, you cut off my Johnson, right? You take that big steak knife to my cock, you 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 remove it from my pelvis, and I'll tell you what, if I get a million hits, I'll put an extra thousand pounds in your bank account. What do you say? What do you reckon about that, mate? It's a deal too good to refuse. Now sharpen him up. I'll take me drawers down. Let's get with the fucking chop chop. <laughs> the footage is said to have been erased, although it was not made clear if it was done before or after it went online. It's got to be out there somewhere. It's got to be. Somebody has to have this footage somewhere. The pair reportedly drank four bottles of wine and took Valium to muster up the courage before going through with the amputation. Police initially said the expat had harmed himself and were not looking for anyone else in connection to with the incident. But the case took a dramatic twist with the arrest of his flatmate on March 14 after a local paper claimed he had used a social networking app to search for someone to film him amputating his penis. Fucking <laughs> hell, mate. Oh. Yeah, good comment over on YouTube from Callie Days. Lorena Bobbitt would have done it for free. Exactly. You know, John Wayne Bobbitt ended up becoming a porn star after that happened. So Lorena Bobbitt cut off his penis. He got it reattached and he ended up doing porn. And I you, one, I think one of the pornos was entitled something along the lines of, now you can see Bobby's bits too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this guy will end up in porn. But wow, there you go. The lengths people are going to to go viral on the internet. Horrifying. Women's faces may hide infidelity better than men's. I don't know if this video will have anything to do with it. Let's check it out. Volume, please. Physically broken can feel really painful. And how it can actually ache in places that you didn't know you had inside you. So you can actually become physically ill uh, from a broken heart. So my first piece of advice I would give to anybody who's experiencing a heartache or a broken heart is to take your time. And cut off your penis. Women's faces may hide infidelity better than men's, according to a study published in the journal Royal Society Open Science. Every day we make judgments about the trustworthiness of others based on nothing more than their faces. Now it's obvious why I sit in the dark. I cannot be trusted. (laughs) Because I'll have sex with a rabbit skin on the end of a pitchfork. That's why I'm here in the dark, in the shadows. Just so you know. Boogie, would you really have sex with roadkill? Well, of course not. I can't trust that face. I can't trust him. <laughs> that's that's not true. That's not true. Injured injured animals on the side of the highway, yes, but not dead ones. I'm not some kind of sicko. Recently, some studies emerged indicating that women, and to a lesser extent men, show above-chance accuracy in judging sexual unfaithfulness from looking at faces of the opposite sex. For the, latest, for the latest study, a group of scientists from the University of Western Australia decided to investigate this issue further while also exploring how good people are at detecting sexual unfaithfulness when looking at faces of the same sex. 
We found above chance accuracy in the judgments of unfaithfulness from same-sex faces in men, but not women. Conversely, we found above chance accuracy for opposite-sex faces in women, but not men. So, basically, men look at other men and say, yeah, he, he, fuck, he fucks everything. Women look at other women and say, she would never cheat on her husband. <laughs> men look at women and say, no, she wouldn't cheat. Women look at men and say, yes, he would absolutely fuck everything that moves. I think this is basically what they're getting at, which we all knew anyway. Even though, like, the actual data, I think I think women initiate divorce more often than men do, like from a factor of two or three to one, apparently, in some countries. I could be wrong on that, but I think I'm, I'm roughly around the right area. Correct me if I'm wrong, happy to. So basically, somebody did a scientific study to say that uh, women never suspect women of being cheaters and always suspect men of being cheaters, and men don't suspect women of being cheaters but always suspect men of being cheaters. We can't win. We can't win. We're fucked. In the words of Donald Trump, I'm fucked. Overall, then, the researchers found that both male and female participants made relatively accurate judgments about unfaithfulness for men's faces but not women's. Masculine faces are linked to higher levels of the hormone testosterone, which makes men more likely to take risks and potentially cheat on their partners. While the level of accuracy that the participants displayed in their judgments is very modest, the author said, the findings could nevertheless have a biological significance, but only if you believe that there's only two genders. How does that work out if there's more than two genders? See, see when we get into this gender argument. Well, you know, women don't think women cheat very often, but men think men do cheat very often. Well, what about all the G's and G's? What the fuck? What applies to them? How often do they cheat? Now, I want to see a study that ranks all of the genders, all 300 of them or however many there are now, and I want to know how much each individual gender cheats. <laughs> Speaking of gender, let's, let's cut to this. Found this video earlier today. I'm ZT. Troy. We know each other a little bit. We do, yeah. But maybe we could get to know each other a little bit of better. Of course, let's do it. Six people, six genders. We talk on a very like, hey, how are you? How are you? Yeah, yeah, like, like what your outfit. You? Yeah. Like your outfit. I see you. I found Q! There he is! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Q. Woo! There's Q. He's pretty cool looking. I, I didn't know Q. I didn't know Q was so hip. He's on Twitter at that's just Q. There you go, just Q. Ladies, we found Q, boys and girls. The search is over. Put down your glasses. We're done. We found him. We felt, well, I assume it's a him. Shit, did I just did I just get a fucking did I just assume somebody's gender? Shit. Shit, do you see how easy it is to fall into the trap? The trap. But we never really talk further. No. Okay, so we're gonna pick up topics and then just kinda like get real. What is your gender? I identify female. I am male. For me, there's a little bit of a difference um, oh. between gender and gender expression. <laughs> yeah, okay, 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 okay. Hang on. Whoa, hold up, hold up, hold up. Why is it so easy for the woman to say, I'm a woman, and why is it so difficult for the man to say, or why is it so easy for the man to say, I'm a man, and then when you ask this person, what's your gender, then we have to hear a fucking story. Well, for me, I have a different definition of gender, so I think it's this and this and this and this, right? 
why not just come out and say whatever you what you think your gender is? Why does it why does it have to be a soliloquy? Why do we have to why do we have to read a whole story about how you came to understand yourself? Just spit it out, man, woman, whatever. I would say my is it fem I can't say the word fem. <laughs> my gender is feminine. I okay. was born anatomically Scientifically, doctors were like, that's a girl. Mm -hmm. But as I grew up, I was like, that doesn't really work yeah. for me. I feel like I'm a more masculine person. What? You know, this female thing, it's not really working for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, remember once upon a time that there were tomboys? The tomboys will soon be a thing of the past. And, you know, truth be told, here's a little secret, ladies. Uh, men... They don't hate tomboys. They kind of like the tomboy. You know, as long as they're not over-the-top tomboy. If they're, if they're tomboy just enough, then that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That can, be kind of, that can be kind of okay. It can be kind of a thing. Tomboys are all right. But, you know, in, in the years to come, there will be no tomboys. There will just be men who used to be girls, who used to be women and decided at some point, that being a woman just wasn't working out for them anymore. I, I was anatomically, you know, biologically, I was born female, but as I got older, I figured out that that wasn't working for me anymore, so I just switched, like buying a new car. You know, I just thought, you know, it's time for a change. <laughs> like a new career, new house, new car, new gender. Let's see how this one works. Let's see, it's comfy. It's comfy in this male body. Feels good. Let's see how this works out for the rest of my life. Like a like a cis smell is what. Mm -hmm. Like cis I know I, I think I would classify as that as well, but I'm just like I'm so uneducated. All that yeah. Stuff. I, I guess I never questioned it either, to yeah. be honest with you. So. What's the worst thing about being your gender? For me personally, the hardest thing is like figuring out when and where to have my male privilege, uh, <laughs> how to use it for other people. I do sometimes have a... Dude, if you think the worst part about being a man is trying to figure out how to use your male privilege for good, you're, you're not, you haven't figured this out yet. You're not, you're not doing man shit. <laughs> That's not the worst part. That's the best part about being a man. What about having to kill a spider? <laughs> How about having to change the tire? That sucks. Damn, that's horrible. Honey. Uh, yes. There's something in the backyard that's heavy and needs to be moved. Fine. It's a pretty shit part of being a man. It should it should just all be uh sex, snacks, and football. That like that's that's really what it should be. If there was a true patriarchy, that's all that we would be doing. Sex, snacks, and football. And occasional, you know, woodwork from time to time. <laughs> that's it. Perhaps changing a gasket on something occasionally. If there was a true patriarchy. The worst, the worst part about being a man is trying to figure out how to use my privilege for good instead of evil. It's like, you're not a fucking superhero, mate. What do you think this is? <laughs> I am privilege man. <laughs> you know, when I'm privileged man, I have to carry the burden for mankind. We all have privilege. 
but I use mine for good instead of evil. He's the anti-hero. He's like Daywalker in the Blade movies. You know what I mean? He's the vampire who kills other vampires. He is the man who uses his male privilege against men. Now the lawn. Exactly. Now. <laughs> um, problem with how women are perceived to be like, all right, you're about 25. Um, when you're having kids, when you're getting married. I constantly like men are trash. Like that is yeah. like, and like, and like yeah. even as a man, I'm like, yes, I have very trash tendencies. Mm. And like, wow, it's self-loathing. Like I'm just I'm just covered in this privilege. It makes me a horrible person. I'm constantly thinking that I'm trash. That's depression, bro. Like that's that's psychological self-hate. And you shouldn't you shouldn't have to go through this. Look at what it's like to steal a line. Remember that movie, The Born Identity? Look at what they've made you do. Look at what they've made you give up. <laughs> Look at what they've made you believe. That you need to be constantly focused on your privilege and how to use it for good instead of evil. That's the hardest thing about being a man. And you're constantly thinking about how you are trash. Like, this, this is exactly what we've been saying for the last 10 years in regards to all this bullshit. That, you know, it's about hating yourself. You're evil. You have privilege. You're a horrible being. Men are trash. Men are rapists. Men are bad. So why not become a woman instead, <laughs> right? Just not a white woman because they're trash too. But, you know, any other kind of woman, then fine. You know, I, I, I feel sorry for the people. And, you know, that, that's a horrible comment too. If you say, I feel sorry for you when the person is confused with gender and hates themselves and considers themselves to be trash because they're a man, if you say, I feel sorry for you, they'll call you a bigot. I'll say, how dare you? You don't understand what it's like. I heard a theory put forward recently on one of the YouTube shows I watch. And if you don't follow uh, Nightwave Radio, you should check him out. Really funny show. And goes over, uh, you know, YouTube culture and stuff. A comedian named Mersh. Really good. Nightwave Radio. And also on a show called Revenge of the Sis. And I like his theory. His theory is that these people are so uninteresting and that they have nothing special about them that they have to create uh, an environment of victimhood around themselves in order for them to be special in the world. Because they look around the world and they look at all of these other people and they realise that there is absolutely nothing interesting or creative about them whatsoever. They are just a dull, boring, average person in the, in the mix of all the other average people. And so, you know, in this culture of narcissism, and nihilism, they have to invent a way for them to be more special than everybody else. And instead of, you know, like building a house or fucking going to the moon or winning a marathon or something like that, you use the only talents you have, which is self-loathing and victimhood, which now gets celebrated. It's like the shortest pathway to stardom. It's the shortest pathway to feeling like you are special when you are not. And so like, it's like learning to unlearn. Sure. When are you gonna be blah, 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 blah. That timeline is yeah. like, yeah. I think, I think one of the worst things about it is just feeling like you're constantly being sexualized. You can't really walk alone at night. I mean like. Come on. 
See? The, the hardest part about being a woman is living constantly in fear. So the hardest part about being a guy for one of them was, I don't know how to use my privilege for good instead of evil, and I'm constantly thinking that I'm trash. Right? Self-loathing is a form of victimization. The woman now, the hardest part about being a woman is living in fear. I can't walk alone at night. I'm constantly subject to sexual objectification. Victimhood. Obviously you can, but it's like, I've, I have not met another like female identifying person that has felt... Female identifying person. Comfortable or has not thought about like, oh, well, it's getting dark now. So if I'm going to go for like a run after work, mm. I guess I like can't. Yeah. That sucks. It's... I mean, it's not, it's not your fault. <laughs> well, no, it's oh not. Oh my God. <laughs> it is, it is your fault though. Remember, you need to use your privilege for good instead of evil. Every, all males are rapists. We know this. Uh, but I mean, but in a way, I feel like it is every guy's responsibility to check their friends. And <laughs> it's every guy's responsibility to check their friends to see if they're a rapist or not. Leslie, I can just imagine. Next time Greeno comes over to do a, the show that we do, the starting block, Greeno's my best mate. We've been best mates since we were five years old. Next time he comes out, married man, two kids, family man, career guy, very straight-laced dude. Next time he comes over here, I'm going to sit him down on the on the couch and I'm going to say, okay, bro, this is real talk time. You, okay, you ready? Raping any chicks lately? Because <laughs> it's my responsibility to check. <clears throat> Next time I'm down the bar, I'll walk in and go, listen up, listen up, you filthy privileged males. Anybody here a rapist? To be fair, where I live, there'd probably be like half a dozen hands go, well, yeah, I raped a guy. I raped a chick last week, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the bars I go to. Uh, I'm just I'm just doing my rounds. I'm just taking on my responsibility as a male to check check everybody, make sure nobody's raping. Bro, are you raping right now? Can't you stop raping? Do you have to rape all the time? Come on, man. Let's just go get some pizza or something. Put the rape aside, will you? To like, yeah. be like, dude, you can't do that. Where do you buy your clothes? <laughs> Imagine walking up to a guy who's raping somebody and just and, and doing what that guy did. Like, dude, you can't do that. Dude, you can't do that, okay? <laughs> I'm sure that's going to make him stop. I'm sure that's the way to approach a rapist. Fuck is wrong with these people, man. Swaggy jazz. <laughs> oh, a secret for the end. No. <laughs> Growing up, I was always kind of like a tomboy and like I grew up with a twin brother, so I would always kind of like. Oh, you're very lucky you didn't end up turning into a man like our other friend here at the start of the video. <laughs> I would wear like boys' clothes. I just go straight into the men's department, and I remember is. the first time that I was like, I can do this. Yeah. This is cool. This is cool. <laughs> um, I can get like all my shirts there, all my hats. I get to buy my shoes in the little boys' department. Uh -huh. Save some money. Has too, the, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm Some places have like size men's, and I'll go there just to look for street style because street style. a lot of places that have plus size women's don't think that we want to look street style. Yeah, I hear that. That we always want to be in like flowy dresses, which is never. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's not the 1950s. 
Women aren't walking around in flowy dresses everywhere. What fucking city do you live in? Pleasantville? What the hell are you talking about? I love flowy dresses on women. I think flowy dresses on women are more attractive than, you know, the slutty things that they wear on a Friday night these days. These days. I sound like an old man. These days. Back in my day, women would wear floral flowy dresses, and I don't remember anyone complaining. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, who thinks that women should all be walking around in flowy dresses? Not many women. They could. They should. They look fantastic when they do, but they don't. What I want. Buying pants is really hard. Yeah. I love, I love how street is a style now. See, when you dressed street before, street was the clothes that you would wear because you couldn't afford to wear nice clothes. <laughs> and now... Now it just it just goes to show you how everything can be hijacked and marketed. So now street is like the clothing companies are selling, you know, very average clothes to make you look like, you know, a low-level gangbanger in some shithole in a suburb. Like and you're paying three times as much for it and you live out in the suburbs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're paying three times as much to look like an inner city poverty person. And you live out in the suburb in the hills. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I just really like to dress street. It's like, it's really hard to find street clothes. It's like, really? Why, why don't you go to the ghetto? There's street clothes everywhere. <laughs> of course, if you go to the ghetto with your street clothes, they may shoot you and steal them. Like, just, you know, because they are street clothes, right? Like, damn, this motherfucker got some expensive street clothes. <laughs> Where did you get those? Who did you steal those street clothes from? But it's just funny how every everything can be hijacked. Now street is a style that's pushed by design companies. Like, right. When street is not a style. Street was the style that existed when nobody could afford to buy expensive clothes that fit into a particular style. That was what street was. It's like they're just like not built for my body, yeah, so yeah. my pants journey is a hodgepodge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go shopping maybe once a year. Oh yeah. So whatever, whoever's having a sale, I just keep it very simple. That's <laughs> see, uh, the person who was born as a woman but now identifies as a man is shocked when she hears a guy who was born as a man and still continues to identify as a man admit the reality that he only goes shopping for clothes maybe once a year. I would maybe go once every five years. So she's still hanging on. Well, this person is still hanging on to a little bit of womanhood, I suspect. You only go shopping for clothes once a year? I go once a week. If you're going once a week, then I'm a woman. I don't even care if you've got... Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I've just changed my whole view. Now I totally understand uh, gender dysphoria. If you go shopping once a week for new clothes... I don't care if you have a John Holmes length penis. You are a woman. Done. That's how that's how we're going to assign gender from now on. If you go shopping for clothes more than once a year, you're you're a woman. Sorry. <laughs> Done. Put it in the books. I mean, if you if you work in a clothing store and you see the same guy come in every single weekend, it's on you um, like the second time that the guy comes in. It's on you to go up to this individual and say, can I help you, madam? That's that's the way we address it now. Smokey Bear on in the chat on YouTube says, it's like grunge from the 90s that never went away. Exactly. Exactly. And they, they hijacked the whole grunge look too. There's a great documentary about grunge called Hype. And in that movie, uh, they're talking about, you know, 
there's a couple of guys from Seattle and they're saying, you know, it was funny because we'd look in these designer stores and they would be selling long johns and shorts for like 300 bucks, you know, like, and they were calling it grunge wear and models were dressing up like, you know, heroin addicts and marching down the catwalk in the nineties to sell grunge wear. It was fucking utterly ridiculous. And this guy from Seattle's like, yeah, they're selling long johns and shorts in stores for 300 bucks. He goes, we let, we wear long johns and shorts up here because it's fucking cold. <laughs> it's not a fashion thing. We wear long johns because it's fucking freezing outside. <laughs> That's why we wear flannelette shirts, because it's fucking cold. <laughs> so there's kids in California walking around with flannelette shirts and long johns on, and it's like fucking 90 degrees. <laughs> My pants journey is a hodgepodge. <laughs> I'll, I'll go shopping maybe once a year. Oh yeah? So what are, whoever's having a sale. I just keep it very simple. Like I'm, I'm not a very fashionable guy, I believe. What? Like, I just, you are lying. I swear to you. You are 100% a fashionable guy. <laughs> it's true. Hey, listen, hype me up. When it, in terms of like where I shop most of the time, it's like, it is like in the guy section, but then I also do drag. Sure. And like, yes. obviously that is like exclusively, because I feel like when I do drag, it is like hard into the femme space because yeah. like. Isn't this the guy who was talking about, you know, the hardest thing about being a man is being able to use his male privilege for good instead of evil? Really? And, and so he, he does drag. I'm not sure that you're using your male privilege for what it was intended, my good, my good fellow. <laughs> you know, your male privilege is supposed to allow you to, you know, oppress women, not become women, not dress up as women. Your male privilege means that you don't have to fit into a corset. You don't have to brandish high heels, sir. Your male privilege allows you to wear shorts and a T-shirt and go unshaven for days on end. Dressing up in women's clothing kind of fucks up the whole male privilege thing. You're not taking full advantage of your male privilege. That is like kind of the essence. What a waste. It's a drag a lot sure. of times. Have you ever had to defend your gender? When I was younger, like, I was real, like, out there. Like, I was just, UBS just, guys is Cali just express myself in different ways. So I had a lot of piercings. Like, mm. I had a blonde hair, but it was like short, like it was like a fro, like a like cut size fro. Wow. I had, a, I had a tongue ring. I had snake bites. What? I had, yo, so like, I, I know people, they, they never said it to me because people know me to be like, in my city, like, I was an athlete. I was like a great athlete. People yeah. knew me as that. So it was like, we know this kid is like super masculine. Yeah. Like, when he's out. Dan the man. Dan, the man over on YouTube, says he thinks he's a superhero. Absolutely he does. Like, privilege man. I am privilege man. But on the weekend, I am sexy Savannah, your favorite drag queen. <laughs> like, this guy actually has three superheroes. Like, so he's not just like uh, Clark Kent by day and Superman by night. He is average male, privileged, trashy, self-hating male during the day. He's privilege man at night. But on the night, on the weekends, he's sexy Savannah at the at the, <laughs> at the cross dressing club. <laughs> They're doing this. He's dominant, so it's like, but it's like, yeah, yeah like you look like I don't know. I've had to defend like my manhood, mm -hmm. like in a sense of like, good job, because I'm gay. I've had to defend my manhood. So putting on a dress and strutting around, you know, dancing to uh, '70s disco hits—is that defending manhood, <laughs> or is that wasting it? People sometimes like challenge you, yeah. you know, like because I'm 
more of like a you know I'm a nice I, I'm a nice person or whatever. You are. So every now and then people you would challenge are. that, but I would see that as like a challenge to my manhood. Okay. And so when I was young, fuck man, the the brain fucking that's going on here is just intense. We've got the cross-dressing guy who thinks that the hardest thing about being a man is using his male privilege for good instead of evil. We've got this guy who identifies as a man, the fucking horror of it all. And he's saying that because he's a nice guy. So when people tell him that he's a nice guy, he thinks that that's threatening his manhood. What the fuck is wrong with these people, man? I feel sorry for these kids, honestly. Fucking hell. The girl has to live constantly in fear. She thinks she's going to get raped every time she walks out the front door. Somebody else wants to dress straight but thinks it's a problem because you can't buy straight clothes for women, so she has to go to the men's department to buy straight clothes, which is really just spending 10 times as much to look like a poor person. Like, what the fuck? Did you miss a memo? <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking depressing. Every everyone in this clip has a problem. And it's all about it's all about taking these problems and, you know, making them seem like things that are, are, should should be cherished. We are to cherish these problems. We're to celebrate these problems in people's lives. Speaking of problems, let the fun continue. Man 29 in relationship with robot reveals they plan on getting married. <laughs> Joey Morris from Tannytown, Maryland in the US has been dating Robo Troll for almost for almost 2 years and knew it was love because it made my heart feel right. Look at the happy couple there. Isn't that lovely? So we we've we've covered the story over the last few weeks. Rapunzel on YouTube says, and you wonder why nobody wants to have kids these days. <laughs> well, if you don't cut your penis off, I think you've got a fighting chance. So we did the story the last couple of weeks. Uh, the the lovely young lady who got married to the lesbian zombie doll. I uh, think, where was she again? I forget where she was. Oklahoma, I think. She was in Oklahoma. And she was upset that people were accusing her of dragging around a dead child because obviously the zombie doll looked like a dead child. So she went to the police department to get quote-unquote proof that the zombie doll was in fact a zombie doll and not a dead child so people would leave her alone. So just to prove that I'm not sexist, I went out and I found this story about a man getting married to a robot troll. Because <laughs> we're all about fucking equality, gender equality here. Yes, I'm afraid the men are just as fucking batshit crazy as the women. Isn't it lovely? A man in love with a robot has revealed they are planning on getting married. Joey Morris fell head over heels with Robo Troll almost almost two years ago after being drawn to its satisfied smile and popping pink hair. <laughs> the 29-year-old's previous lovers include a lamp, a transformer truck, and even a Halloween figurine. So he doesn't fuck around. This this guy gets around, man. He falls in love with all sorts of toys. But the relationships didn't last as Joey's attention waned. He began dating Robo Troll in, <laughs> Robo Troll in 2017 after feeling nostalgic and rekindled his love for the Battle Trolls collection online. Smitten Joey from Tannytown, Maryland, US, was age 10 when he realised he was objectum, 
meaning attracted to objects. So there's a, there's a new sexuality we need to consider. So like let's not let's not stop at you know allowing homosexuals to get married. What about the objectums? Are you an objectophile, ladies and gentlemen? Are you are you bigoted against people like Joey here who are attracted to sexual sexually attracted to objects? Remember we did that story a couple of months ago about the girl who wants to get married to the jet, the plane. This is a thing. Now the performer is looking forward to the future with his bow, including a trip to Florida. There is something going on in Florida. Something very disturbing happening in Florida. And a potential wedding day one day. Joey said, quote, I realized I was drawn to objects when I was 10 years old as I wanted to become friends with a lamp at school and would about my day to it. Would about my day to it. Okay. But the teacher found out about our relationship and took the lamp away. I was distraught. (laughs) You know what? You know what, Joey? Maybe nobody's ever told you this before, but 10-year-old boys are drawn to objects like Lego, cars, footballs, hockey sticks, right? It doesn't mean you have to get married to it. Like when when did that con- where, did that conversation never take place? Did we never get to have the birds and the bees conversation here? Yeah, I was I was ten years old when I realised that I was really drawn to objects. But yeah, man, I had matchbox cars too. I never tried to fuck one. You know, there's a difference here. Over the next few years, I fell in love with an animatronic called Donna the Dead and also with the Transformer Optimus Prime when he was in truck form. Optimus, I didn't know Optimus Prime was, I didn't know Optimus Prime putted from the rough. I didn't know Optimus Prime swung that way, did you? Gee, now that I know that Optimus Prime is gay, this changes everything. I can't, I have to go and re-watch the Transformers movies now. Hey, we're going to have to stop the Decepticons. <laughs> okay, so I've got bad news, guys. Humans, gather round. <laughs> Let me lay a story on you. So apparently we've got some evil Decepticons coming to Earth and, <laughs> you know, what these bitches bite, <laughs> okay? I mean, I tried pulling his hair... <laughs> What was the name of that kid in the in the Transformers movie? He's so hot right now. I would love to play opposite him. Has he obtained consent? Good question. Otherwise, it's rape, isn't it? Very creepy. However, my love for these objects never lasted as long as my love for Robotroll, who is my current primary love. Wouldn't the Transformers movie just be utterly fantastic if at the end of the final battle scene... Optimus Prime defeated his enemy and then made love to him. (laughs) (laughs) Then fucked him. (laughs) While he was knocked out over a building or something. Like, now it's payback, bitch. You're mine. I ordered him from eBay for $20 cheap and received him in December 2017 and that's when our relationship truly began. Now I'm looking forward to my future with Robotroll. I'm going to take him with me on holiday to Orlando, Florida, and a wedding could be on the cards one day. Don't rush it, Joey. Don't rush it. 
Transformer. <laughs> robots into guys. Ah, did you see what we did there? Transformers, robots into guys. There's Robo Troll. He added, the website I was looking at showed me the entire collection of all the trolls, and when I saw Robo Troll, I was smitten. I think it was his expression that attracted me to him. While most of the other battle trolls snarled, Robotroll seemed to have a satisfied smile. His blue eyes matched his silver and blue colour scheme, and his pink hair really popped. I knew it was love with him because it made my heart feel right. Here's Joey. 29-year-old Joey. In love with that. Robotroll. There you go. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody has already seen this. The best Trump impression ever from a construction worker. But just in case you missed it, let's check it out. Go ahead. No, no, hold on. <laughs> Yo, we're going to do it right. Just go like this when you're ready. What a tremendous day here. The Long Island Railroad is screwing up this job. It's a horrible job. I have hired my good friend, John Valente, and his great rifle wounds. They're tremendous people. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now, we have to come in and do this job on time and under budget. We're going to go with Oliveria, or is it Oliveria? They're good people. They're Italian, but they're good. Or are they Portuguese? I don't know. But they're tremendous people, and we are going to get this job done, and done the right way. We are hiring many more pork chops because we love them. They're tremendous people. And we are going to do a great job here, Rosie. I'm going to tell you, your, your, your husband is a tremendous attribute to this job, and we are going to get this job done the right way, the union way, and it's going to be a tremendous job. He's a great carpenter. He really is. I eat lunch with carpenters. Thank you so much, even the evil media, for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Sensational. So they reckon the key to a, a good impression is... You don't have to sound 100% like the person, but if you get their way of speaking down pat, then you're 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 more convincing, you know what I mean? So if you get the little pauses and the words that they use and he fucking nails every single one of them. But on top of that, um, you know, his voice is very very similar. But if you get all the other shit right, then you're halfway there. Julian Assange, ladies and gentlemen. Assange's road to US may go through Sweden and Brexit. As Swedish prosecutors consider reopening a probe into rape allegations against Julian Assange. What? What? That was never going to happen. No. Nobody ever said that once they take Julian Assange out of the embassy, then they're just going to change and go back to all of the old charges. Nobody ever said anything like that. Yep. Yeah. Nobody except all of us. <laughs> it sets up a test of how tangled the post-Brexit legal system is about to become. British police arrested the 47-year-old Assange last week, ending his seven-year stay in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. American authorities promptly asked the UK to extradite Assange to face charges related to the disclosure of secret government documents. Uh, America America doesn't want anything. America has nothing to do with Assange. America doesn't want Assange. They just uh, that's all that's all fake news, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. When America says jump, ladies and gentlemen, other countries go how high. That's what really happens. That's what really happens. Especially countries like the UK and Ecuador. 
when America says, we want this guy, pretty much everybody folds like cheap laundry. American authorities promptly asked the UK to extradite Assange to face charges related to the disclosure of secret government documents. This has nothing to do with America. (laughs) An extradition request from Sweden could delay that case if British authorities decide to prioritise a nine-year-old rape allegation that originally sent Assange into hiding. Swedish issued, Sweden issued an arrest warrant for Assange in 2010. He fought the extradition up to the UK Supreme Court, where he lost in 2012. While he was out on bail in the case, Assange sought asylum in Ecuador's embassy. As the years dragged on, Swedish prosecutors dropped the investigation because it be, had become impossible to pursue the probe in his absence. After Assange's arrest last week, a lawyer for one victim asked the Swedish prosecutor to reopen the investigation. There you have it. Now they're all coming back. They're all coming back. (laughs) It's like, Julian, Julian, all the charges have been dropped. Why don't you just walk out of the embassy and everybody can go about their day and you can go home? Okay. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) We got him. Okay. Reopen the case. Let's get this motherfucker. He was born in Australia. Australia. Why did you revoke the asylum of Julian Assange? What, what did he do? Various of the same insults that proceeded to Ecuador in a verbal way at the moment when he referred to our Julian Assange referred to our country as a completely insignificant country. This is the president of Ecuador. So again, once again, uh, WikiLeaks maintains their 100% accuracy rating when it comes to you know putting information out there in the universe. Assange, Assange referred to our country as completely insignificant. Hmm, okay. So, yeah, can't get him for lying, I guess. And on the other hand, excuse me, I have to say this here, but even smearing feces on the embassy's walls. <laughs> What's the Australian government's position on him? It depends on who you ask. Depends on who you ask. The official government position is and has been for not only the conservative government, but the left-wing government that was in previous to this one. The official government position on Julian Assange, as I can best ascertain, is who is Julian Assange? Don't talk about Julian Assange. We don't know anything about Julian Assange. We don't want to get involved. (laughs) So they're gutless both ways, both ways when it comes to Julian Assange. This is... I think this is a sufficient reason to revoke and terminate his... Very bad, very bad. He attacked guards? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I thought this was fun. Um, There's a little... YouTube channel down here. Well, it's not little. They've got 200,000 subs on YouTube. The Juice Media, and they do like these little satirical videos. So this is an honest government ad about Julian Assange. Check it out. Hello, I am from the British government with a fabulous announcement. No, I'm sorry, we still haven't sorted out this bleeding shit show, but we have finally managed to arrest our most wanted criminal. No, the other one, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Once we're done, we'll extradite his skippy ass off to Virginia to face a grand jury. Because we're America. 
Cause bitch, yeah, baby. <laughs> We'd like yeah, to thank America's all who bitch. aided us in this operation, especially the Ecuadorian government. Hola, I'm from the Ecuadorian government, and I'm here to confirm that our new president is America's bitch too. That is why he agreed to cancel Harry Hacker's political asylum and let pigs enter our embassy to arrest him. Será que nos pueden dar nuestro crédito el FMI ahora, por favor? Hello, I'm from the Australian government. Since Mr. Assange is our citizen, we feel compelled to state in the strongest possible terms that we're America's bitch too. That's why both of these bung stains will leave him up shit creek without a paddle. After all, we're the same dickholes who are prosecuting whistleblowers and banning encryption to make it harder for journalists to expose our shit fuckery. Hello, I'm shit from fuckery. the US government. We're grateful to all our bitches for handing over David Letterman, I mean Julian Assange, who's <laughs> on charges of making us look like war criminals. Which of course we are. We have indicted the accused for the crime of helping his source to anonymously access documents in the public interest, otherwise known as good journalism. Journalists, of course, are not supposed to be good. They're meant to be piss-weak on questioning stenographers who publish what we tolerate. By extraditing a foreign journalist, we hope to send a clear warning to all journalists not to mess with our shit. We ask all of you to cooperate with us in setting this dangerous precedent by focusing on how the accused is a bit of an asshole instead of our attempt to destroy Enjoy your press freedom, American Empire. Excellent. Authorized by the United Bitches of America. <laughs> Excellent. I'll tweet that out in case anyone wants to share that. All right. It's out there. It's out there. There you go. Thought that was fantastic. Racist body scanners, ladies and gentlemen. David Letterman, right? <laughs> so they do good stuff. The Juice Media. Give them, a, give them a subscribe if you're on YouTube. Racist body scanners, ladies and gentlemen. TSA agents say they're not discriminating against black, black women, but their body scanners might be. <laughs> Remember, not that long ago, we did the story of the robocars. The robo cars were running into black people. So the robo cars are racist. So are the body scanners. The United Bitches of America. The full body scanners at airports across the country frequently give false alarms for afros, braids, twists, and other hairstyles popular among black women. There's a black woman. Dorian Wanza. Wanza? <laughs> I guess you would say it Wanza, wouldn't you, if you're in the States? But I'm going to call her Wanza. Dorian Wanza travels frequently for work, and almost every time she steps out of an airport body scanner, security screeners pull her aside and run their fingers through her hair. It's called a hair pat-down. It happens with my natural afro, she said. When I have braids or two-strand twists, regardless, said Wanza, who lives in Washington, D.C., at this point in my life I have come to expect it, but that doesn't make it any less invasive and frustrating. Wanza, who had her hair patted down by Transportation Security Administration officers two weeks ago while she flew home from Raleigh in North Carolina, said she feels singled out when she is asked to step aside. When you find yourself in that kind of situation, it makes you wonder, is this for security or am I being profiled for my race? This is something, believe it or not, as a white guy, this is something that I can identify with because I am always constantly singled out. Every single time, whenever we go into like a sporting event or an airport, 
you know when they do the random check? So like, sir, this is just a random check. And they do the thing. They wave the little wand over your nutsack and stuff. I get that every single time. And I suspect it's because I'm tall. So I'm six foot five. So I stand out, you know, in a crowd of people. And people always look at me first when I'm walking through, you know, any kind of security checkpoint. And I think it's a subconscious. So I just, now I walk up to them because <laughs> I know they're going to call me out anyway. My wife laughs. Yeah, absolutely. I walk up to them and I just think it's because I'm taller than everybody else. So I stand out. So they pull me over. I'm like, come over here. Come over here, lad. I'm like, yeah, I know the drill. Hands out. Legs apart. Just one of those things. Every single time. Black women have been raising alarms for years about being forced to undergo intrusive, degrading searches of their hair at airport security checkpoints. After a complaint five years ago, the TSA pledged to improve oversight and training for its workers on hair pat-downs. But it turns out there's an issue beyond the screeners, the machines themselves. The futuristic full-body scanners that have become standard at airports across the United States are prone to false alarms for hairstyles popular among women of colour. In a request to vendors last summer, the TSA asked for videos to, quote, improve screening of headwear and hair in compliance with Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. That law bars federally funded agencies and programs from discriminating, even unintentionally, on the basis of race, colour or national origin. With black females, the scanner alarms more because they have thicker hair. Many times they have braids or dreadlocks. The TSA officer who works at an airport in Texas and asked not to be named. Maybe down the line they will be redesigning the technology so it can tell apart what's a real threat and what is not. But for now, we officers have to do what the machine can't. There you go. Racist body scanners, ladies and gentlemen. All right. God, so many choices. But I know I want to thank everybody who got in touch on Twitter and sent in their... Uh, sent in their contributions for the show and I know there's a lot there to get through and I've still got so much to get through here so I'm, I'm trying to figure out which stories do I go to to you know so I can get to the Twitter stuff because I know we're going to be on the Twitter stuff for a while and we're already two and a half hours into the show so tell you what let's do this a state agent makes insanely steamy video to help sell a luxury home this is in Sydney by the way yes Australia Australia, baby. <laughs> Smokey Bear says, oh, good Lord. A six foot five Aussie wearing a MAGA hat. Oh, no, that wouldn't get you TSA'd. <laughs> White and tall is uh, equals terrorist. Exactly. <laughs> so let's see this steamy ad to sell a house. God, I love being an Australian sometimes. Yeah. 
is a pretty it is a pretty nice fucking pad. I mean, look at this wraparound pool thing they've got going on out here. Look at that. So you, you wouldn't want to be drunk on a you know you wouldn't want to have a hangover on a Sunday morning though, would you? And just step out of the bedroom and the next thing you know, <laughs> fucking pool. <laughs> I knew that that was a design flaw. Why can't I just walk directly to the kitchen? Why do I have to swim there? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Looks, looks like we're getting somewhere. I'm not sure how this helps sell a house, though. Follow Q, follow Q in the chat. I'm a real estate photographer and I'm trying this on my next shoot. Yeah, you've got to think outside the box, my man. <laughs> don't just take a, don't just do the usual thing. Get the one from the street, uh, you know, get the one in the corner of the kitchen, you know, where you can get the best light in your shot, you know, where you can, don't stand in the places where it looks like, you, you know, you can make the house look as spacious as possible. What you really need to do is get a girl in a very short top and a guy uh, dry humping on the fucking counter, on the kitchen counter. Then, then you'll move property. That's how you shift property in 2019, my man. <laughs> Sexual innuendo is how we're going to sell this house. <laughs> and some kind of ba bad dance routine. It, it looks to me like you know the 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 real estate agency just had a cousin who was a choreographer who was out of work. <laughs> you know what I mean, like. Hey, hey, you know, like I've got some really great ideas for selling a house. And it's like, yes, but Danny, you're a you're a dance choreographer. I have no use for you. It's like, come on, man, just give me one shot. Just give me one shot. Just give me one chance. Next thing you know, this happens. There you go. That's a real estate ad. The luxury home in Sydney, Australia had already had plenty of appeal, but someone at real estate agency LJ Hooker. <laughs> yes, that is a real real estate agency, LJ Hooker. Bankstown decided it needed something else to make it stand out. So they commissioned this walkthrough video, which features a steamy dance routine that you won't forget. Sam Nader from the agency told The Guardian, the video gets attraction to the property and the whole point of real estate is to get as many eyes as possible on the property. It was supposed to be funny. Whether it's funny, it's rude or it's sexy, every video I do is different. I think it's fantastic. Well done. Well done. I mean, somebody somebody has a job at a real estate agency and their job is to create, you know, those little walkthrough videos that you see for houses. And I look at a lot of real estate. 
and like all of those little walkthrough videos. And someone thought, you know what? Let's do something creative. Let's do something different. Let's fucking, let's mix it up a little bit. Everybody is doing the exact same thing. Let's do something different and see what happens. And to that, I tip my hat and say, well done, sir. And, you know, whether it works or not, it obviously works because look how many people, like this is being reported in a British government, not British government, in a British newspaper. So they're now, they're now expanded outside of their own suburb in terms, in real estate, you know, speak. They're out of their zone. They're now being reported in, you know, internationally for their real estate, which is utterly sensational. So well done to them. Fantastic. Be creative. Be creative if you can in whatever you do. Wherever you get the opportunity to be creative, try it and see what happens. Next, <laughs> Kelly says, next time they need to use a brunette. I disagree. I disagree strongly, vehemently. <laughs> More blondes. I don't have a problem. Alarming. Uh, in the next installment, ladies and gentlemen, of our ongoing episodic adventure called What the Fuck is Going On in Florida? Alarming. Scientists warn blood-sucking worms found in Florida rattlesnakes may spread. <laughs> in rattlesnakes. So if you thought the rattlesnakes were bad enough, what if there were blood-sucking worms in the rattlesnake? <laughs> Dr. Terrence Farrell loved snakes. If we look at another Love species snake. of snake, for example, this scarlet king snake. He's a biology professor at Stetson University. And last year, after one of their pygmy rattlesnakes died, he and a student witnessed something even they found disgusting. And right after it died, these parasitic worms start crawling out of its mouth. Creepy, blood-sucking worms. They were trying to figure out why the snake died. Well, they got their answer. I was just grossed out, but I also thought they were cool at the same time because we don't really know much about them. It's disturbing and alarming because it indicates there's something wrong with the environment. We shouldn't be seeing this parasite in Florida. But they're here. The blood-sucking worms come from Southeast Asia. So do Burmese pythons that some have as pets. The worms first showed up in snakes in South Florida and now have made their way up to Central Florida. So can these blood-sucking worms that are killing some of our... She just really loves saying blood-sucking, wasn't she? Blood-sucking worms. These blood-suckers. Are snakes kill you? Kill, kill you? Nah. nah. Forget about it. So if they can't hurt humans, why do we care? Well, snakes are an important part of our ecosystem. Could call them the middleman. They have lots of things that they feed on, and they have other things that feed on them. So to keep those blood-sucking worms from feeding on our snakes, Dr. Farrell is working on a new project, how to get rid of them. In Volusia County, Michelle Meredith, West Florida is a very, very strange place, ladies and gentlemen. Man filmed using liters of human blood to create painting on a school wall. Columbia, man paints mural using human blood on school, on school wall. This i got to see. Look at this. Oh, isn't it wonderful? You know what? I take it all back. I said be creative. If you have the opportunity to be creative wherever you can, then you should try to do so. Be different. Do something different to what everyone else is doing. I take it all back. <laughs> if you have been commissioned to do a painting on the, on the wall of a school, I, I would suggest not using human blood to do it. 
<laughs> who, who down at the school okayed this? Who down at the school okayed this project? Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, for this mural project that you've hired me to do, uh, I was thinking, I was considering the possibility of perhaps using human blood. I think the children will really enjoy it. I think it'll it'll give a great vibe to the school uh, because what we want around children is, you know, human blood, you know, to be, you know, be prominent in the school. I think it'll give a great, I think it'll add a lot of value to the school. Marica, en serio? Sounds like ¿Qué le parece? ¿A qué so let me get this right. You want to take human blood and paint it on the wall of a school where children are there to learn. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Fantastic idea, Pablo. Why didn't we think of that? Well done, Pablo. You're hired. <laughs> okay. Let's collect this blood immediately. No, it's not his own blood. It was from 12 different donors. The tattoo artist from Roldanillo... Colombia created the mural at the school of Belisario Peña Pinero in an attempt to make a statement against innocent blood being shed. Ah, okay. He also did it in favor of building a society that was free of oppression and injustice. Funny way. They've got funny ways of expressing themselves, don't they? Following a national student strike in the city of Cali. So, you know, I want to protest against oppression and injustice, so I'm going to smear human blood on the side of a on the side of a school wall. <laughs> to be fair, it is more appealing than Julian Assange apparently right, uh, wiping human shit on the walls that he was surrounded with. Like, would you? What would you prefer? Would you prefer human blood being smeared on the wall or human shit? You tell me. I'm I'm going blood every day of the week. To be fair, it's a good looking picture. I got to admit. It's a nice looking picture, but it is in human blood, which is kind of creepy. Which is kind of creepy. One more article here, and then we'll get to the Twitter stuff. Hunt for mysterious tiny horse with pink mane only spotted at night. <laughs> Have you seen this, this mysterious little horse, ladies and gentlemen? There have been several sightings of a tiny pony with a pink mane, but only at night. The seemingly nocturnal creature has become an unlikely social media star as people try to track it down and rescue it from its apparently feral ways. <laughs> the face a Facebook site page called, quote, Save the Little Horse. <laughs> now see this is this is a great way to go viral. This is far this is far better than cutting off your own penis like the British guy in Spain tried to do to go viral. You get a little you get a little pony, you get a little donkey pony thing. You you spray paint its its mane pink and then you let it loose at night. You take some photos of it and then you claim that you just randomly spotted this pony at night and that everybody needs to be on the lookout. Next thing you know, you've got a viral campaign on your hands. That's how you do it. 
the British guy, he wants to drink four bottles of wine, take half a bottle of Valium, and then cut off his own dick, and he thinks that's the way to get popular. What a moron. The Facebook page called Save the Little Horse has been set up with reports of any sightings. In all the pictures, it has a bridle on and a little pink and a light pink mane. Canadians are mystified by the horse as all attempts to track it down in Montreal have so far failed. Does it exist? Is it an elaborate prank? Where can we find the tiny pink horse to deliver it to the polos and lay and hay it deserves? Deliver it the polos and hay it deserves. A photo of the pony appears to have been posted first on Reddit, where Gilles Bouchard said in French, Hi, I was walking on the islands this morning and I came across this very small horse. Has anyone seen it? There it is again. (laughs) I tried to approach him, but he was scared and he left. Has his owner lost it or what? How come a helpless horse is alone in a park so early in the morning? I need your help. If you see it, share the photo, please. Gilles says he has been sent several other photos of the pony, which he says he shared on Facebook in a bid to track it down. A spokesperson for the Société du Parc Jean Drapeau, which oversees all functions on the Ile Saint-Hélène, told CTV Montreal they had dispatched groundkeepers to actively look for traces of the animal. There is no sign so far from physical searches or CCTV. We remain on watch to find the animal if it is still on the territory of Parc Jean Drapeau, uh, Gabriel Meloche said. If it is there, we will take all necessary measures to ensure the animal is safe and returned to competent authorities. I can also confirm that there was no activity at Parc Jean Drapeau that would justify the presence of the animal on the Ile Saint-Hélène. There you go. Save the little horse, ladies and gentlemen. Hanging with Bigfoot. (laughs) Ginger Lee over on YouTube says, I encountered a porcupine waddling down a major street in Reno. There you go. Who has a tiny pink horse? <laughs> a poor little pony. Everyone, everyone wants this pony. Should have put a horn on its head. Yes. Now you're talking. Nocturnal Lisa Frank Chimera's Blood Muros and Beto O'Rourke 2019. Yes, that's the world we're living in, General Eaton. <laughs> All right. I've got two little quick videos here that I want to play back to back. And then we'll probably take a quick break and then we'll do the Twitter stuff because I think there is about 20 contributions on the Twitter. So, you know, it might take a while, but um, I thought this was interesting. Just in a follow-up to the Notre Dame fire that we were talking about the other day, um, the BBC put out these two videos. I don't. Which one do you want to see first? Because there's one after the fire and there's one before the fire. So I don't know. Do you want to see what it looked like before the fire first, or do you want to see what it looks like after the fire since? Let's do a vote. If you want to see what it looked like before the fire first, press 1. If you want to see what it looks like after the fire first, press 2. Before the fire one, after the fire two. Choose your own adventure. Thanks for joining us, Trucker Life.
seeing mainly ones. Oh, the twos are catching up. It's a close one. I think the ones might just have it. Three, I don't care. <laughs> Three, go straight to Twitter. <laughs> All right, I think the ones have it. We'll see what it looked like before the fire first. And then we'll see what it looks like since the fire. This is going to be like one of those real estate walkthrough videos. Let's just hope that there is somebody dry humping on a kitchen counter somewhere so we can really move, so we can really shift this property. May have some fire damage. Um, <laughs> A, a restorer's a, a a restorer's dream home, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> On this Easter weekend, isn't it magnificent? The depressing part. Jesus. show us much did they i should have pre-watched that that was a letdown uh the first video that was i think a week before they filmed it a week before. oh no notre dame cathedral in the months before the fire filmed in 360 degrees there you go all right so 
as promised, um, we'll take one more quick break, our last break for the night, and then I'll get back and we'll be doing your Twitter contributions. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you stick around for the break, I'll see you in five. If you don't, see you next time. But thanks to everyone who contributed on the Twitter. I'm looking forward. I, I saw some of the titles that you sent through. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to go through some of these stories. So stick around for five minutes and we'll get to that post haste. See you in five. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 9.30 to 10.30 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights at 11.30, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have Pastor Ronnie Mitchum join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha. James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TABshow.com Friend and foe alike, join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's it's there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you, trampling on your dreams. You need to get rid of them. That's selling fear. There's fear of freedom. I mean, why do, why do you think, why do you think safe spaces exist? 
The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings, trigger warnings. Just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24 hour, seven day a week, 365 day a year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them. Coming back. Welcome to the Daily. Boogie. Thanks for sticking around. It's time to get to the best part. Your contributions, your Twitter contributions. I look forward to this every week. And thanks so much. You've been very generous with your time. You've sent in so many things. We're going to have some fun. Thanks for sticking around. If you did, if you didn't, too bad. You probably made the right call. Let's be honest. All right. Let's see what we got here. Meet the 38 dumbest criminals of all time from Sir Cal B. Let's check this out. 38. You think they would have known to plan things out a little better. Police in Ossining, New York, were called to a minimart where they found Blake Leak, 23, trying to break in. They chased Leek through the streets until both cops took a tumble. Seizing the opportunity, Leek sought refuge on the grounds of a large building. The building was the Sing Sing Maximum Security Prison, where he was promptly nabbed by a guard. <laughs> this is the perfect... They'll never catch me here! 
the case of the liquor store Lothario. Scottish shoplifter Aaron Morrison was picked up after pinching a bottle of vodka from a liquor store. It didn't take Sherlock Holmes to find Morrison, though. His name and phone number were left with the clerk after asking her out on a date. Yes. <laughs> you look like a good lass. Tell you what. Tell you what, lass. Why I take you out? That's not Scottish. Fucking take you out, mate. Take you out for a nice dinner. I will go out for a nice dinner. We'll go out, have a drink. We'll do some dancing. We'll go out for a nice dinner. What you say? You say, it's, hey, it's fucking good. It's a fucking good night. It's fucking all right, mate. Hey. <laughs> then spins around and nicks a bottle of vodka. The lowest high there is. For a trio of drug thieves, it was their lucky day. They broke into a home in Silver Springs, Florida. Again, Florida. What the fuck is going on in Florida? And discovered three jars of cocaine. They took it home and snorted the contents. That's when they discovered that the jars were in fact urns and they were snorting the the remains of the victim's husband and two dogs. Wow. The case of the not-so-devoted dad. Bring your child to work day is a long-honoured tradition that allows children to see what goes on in the business world while also getting the chance to watch their parents ply their trade. One crook brought his son along with him on a job, which happened to be robbing a pet store. When he was caught soon after, minus something important, his son. <laughs> so he took his son to the pet store, stole a dog, left the left the son. Sounds like a trade to me. Watch where you're going. Two men waited online at a coffee shop to pay their bill. A third cut in front of them. He threw a drink at the clerk and demanded all the money from the till. Temporarily surprised, the, the men quickly recovered and handcuffed the crook. Apparently, in his rush, the criminal didn't notice that they were police officers in full uniform. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cut in front of two police officers in line to rob the place. <laughs> wow. Recently, a woman in Fresno, California, was stopped at a DUI checkpoint for being soused. Ever helpful, she offered uh, She offered up this info. My husband's right behind me and he's even drunker than I am. You bitch. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> what did you say that for? Oh. The telltale trousers. When an attempted robbery at a Lowe's home improvement store went awry, Milton J. Hodges fled across the street and jumped a fence right into the Cypress Cove nudist resort and spa. As the Orlando Sentinel pointed out, as one of the only folks wearing clothing, Hodges was easily spotted by police. <laughs> yeah, we're looking... We're, <laughs> the coppers must have thought, this is my fucking lucky day. Yeah, we're looking for a guy who whose penis isn't flapping around when he walks. Can you, Sir, can you please put on some pants? That's the only place where you walk into and they're like, please, can you, sir, can you please take your pants off? It's the worst possible time to faint in the middle of robbing a bank, but that's what happened to a Beaver Creek, Ohio thief. The teller called 911 and asked for medics, but you have to applaud the man's stick While the ambulance was en route, the suspect handed a note to the teller demanding all her cash. Mitchell Deslat walked into a Baton Rouge, Louisiana hotel and asked the clerk for a room. The clerk wasn't the clerk. He was a state trooper, and the hotel was actually a state trooper station. 
That's when Deslat was arrested and charged with driving while intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy walks into a police station. Says, yeah, give me a room for the night. I can't drive. I'm fucking too drunk. <laughs> the guy's the state trooper wearing a fucking hat behind the counter. Uh, sure. Uh, we've got a lovely cell, I mean room, right down here. Follow me, sir. Don't worry. One of our officers, I mean, one of our clerks will get your bags. It's fine. Our valet will park your car in the impound lot. I owe you. Graham Price of South Wales ripped off a bank where he worked, but he wasn't completely duplicitous. He left a note in the safe, borrowed £7 million, signed Graham Price. <laughs> no one liked the tattler. A good Samaritan noticed an elderly man being robbed, so he jumped in and punched the thief. The thief was so upset, he called the police to complain. Wow. Imagine trying to rob a guy, you get assaulted, you call the police and say, yeah, I was trying to steal this fucking guy's money and he punched me. I want him arrested immediately. When Stephen Crane broke into the Ravelli Republic newsroom, he used the computers to watch porn and check Facebook, as you do. Then Crane doused the office with a fire extinguisher, took some candy and left. It was, what a strange robbery. <laughs> In the newsroom. It wasn't difficult to find him, however. The police just followed the trail of stolen M&Ms that led to his sister's place across the way. When police in Vancouver, Canada asked to search Jason Pouchet's apartment for drugs, he was not a suspect. In fact, they were looking for someone else. That all changed when they got a look at how his name was listed on his cell phone. Jason Pouchet, drug dealer. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is wrong with these people? Yeah, all that that previous one about the police um, when the guy tried to check in. Have you guys seen the video of the guy who pulls over the guy on the freeway, the copper, the state trooper pulls over the guy on the freeway, and this guy is just irate, screaming at him, and he's the most patient state trooper of all time. And the trooper hands him a ticket, and the guy, like, scrunches it up and throws it out the window, and the trooper's like, I'm sorry, sir, um... If you do that, I'm going to have to fine you for littering. And he's like, motherfucker. And he gets out and he's screaming. He's irate. I'll see if I can find it. It's pretty old. Yeah, it's a famous one. It came straight up. It came up straight away. Check this out. Bit of nostalgia. Stephen Murray of the Main State Police. Most law enforcement officers are prepared for a physical altercation when they stop a motor vehicle. What they may not be prepared for is the psychological and emotional aspect that can occur. As you watch this tape of a routine speeding offense, place yourself in my shoes. Would you have taken the same enforcement action? Like, it's, it's so old. It's on, like, actual videotape. <laughs> or made the same decisions that I made. Let's watch and see. 1992. Guilty if I got to work because I can't take the board to take the day off. God damn asshole! 
Now just give me the goddamn thing, let me get out of here. I didn't do nothing wrong, and I know I did. Now let me get the fuck out of here. I gotta get I ain't in no hurry, but I did want to get some pills for my dog. It's just about ready to get get the fuck out of here, give me that. Can I explain it to you, sir, so you'll know what you need to do? I know what I do. You're ripping me off, and I didn't deserve it because I did do nothing wrong. You're probably sitting on a pike lot driving right back and forth to get someone in the 40 miles of whatever frig it is. I never saw the sign. I saw it 55, and I was doing 57. That's all I know. Now, just give me the goddamn thing, and I'll look at the date. If I'm working, I'll pay the fucking fine because I can't afford to take a day off. And if I'm not working, I'll plead not guilty because I know fucking well I'm not guilty. <laughs> There. Now, are you a state or local? Looks like you're a state trooper. Get back and pick up some more guys and run up the friggin' deficit on 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 a working man. He's just unloading everything on this guy. He's unloading 30 years of frustration with the government on this fucking state trooper, and the trooper's just standing there, not saying a word, just staring at him. <laughs> yeah. I need you to do a sound the X so I can explain this to you. It ain't no explaining. I got picked up for speeding before. You're guilty and you pay the fine and hope your insurance don't go up. And you try not to speed the next time. And that's what I've been trying to do for four or five years and it's worked damn good. Do I run into you, you asshole? Yeah, I know the story. Try not to speed. Try not to speed next time. I've been doing pretty good for the last four or five years until I ran into you, you asshole. <laughs> Green copies for your records, That's all sir. I know. I don't... All right. White copy needs to be mailed in within 20 days. Okay. Make sure you read the... I can't read, and I put this stuff away. I get bills in the mail all the time. I don't need to look at them. $7 glasses here. Just tell me what I do. Lincoln Court? No. Where? Read the instructions here. This says you have 20 days to respond to this summons. Read the back of this hard copy. This will explain how you can have a trial if you want. On the back, that will explain it. Attaches an envelope. See? Put a stamp on that. You mail that in. I will tell you what to do. Well, I can afford the stamp. The fine's right here, sir. It's $137.50. You're fucking crazy! <laughs> Don't pick this up, sir. I'm going to summon you for littering. <laughs> Are you fucking crazy? I want Are you to fucking crazy? You goddamn asshole! Jesus. $107? Jesus fucking A. Christ! There's some more right there. <laughs> I've never heard of a phone like that in my life, you goddamn asshole! You fucking asshole! <laughs> to produce insurance. That's expired. Didn't I give you another one? No. My wife told me it was expiring today. She went paid her cash and all the It expired on the 10th. Today's the 16th. That's six days ago. The, uh, the bill was due today, okay? Whatever the date on the bill due, I apparently have paid... You're fucking crazy! Uh, coffee. Do you want your license and registration?
wife, by the grace of her heart, when I came home, that she had taken money grace out of her, her savings account because I'm fucking dear broke. Because the cost of living has gone up. My paycheck has gone down because we gave out double time on Sunday. Our insurance went up $20 a week two weeks ago, $20 to $40 a week. Telling him he's locked problems. And that's what's happening in the last eight, ten years to the whole fucking country. They've shut down the industry. They've friggin' cut pay. Insurance has gone up. But there is hope. And I'm going to watch it tonight when Bill Clinton gives us an acceptance speech. Because there is hope. Ah, uh, Clinton voter. If we get this economy going again and start treating people fair and get assholes like you to do something decent instead of picking up some fucking innocent guy that wasn't speeding to begin with. And off he goes. <laughs> Bye. Well done. And there's hope because I'll be watching Bill Clinton's inauguration speech tonight. And then hopefully he get assholes like you doing something decent instead of picking innocent people up who won't even speeding in, speeding in the first place. <laughs> Sensational. You're fucking crazy. <laughs> it's a great video. Clinton will fix it. Yes. Clinton's got, we got big hopes for Clinton. Uh, Dr. Gonzo said, I've had my folks in town for an extended period, but I'll be back week after next trying to check the replays. Well, if you're watching the replay, Dr. Gonzo, we wish you well with your parents. Happy Easter, my friend, and look forward to you joining us once again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Man with BBC destroys 18 holes and comes from behind. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Can tilapia skin be used to bandage burns? Using fish skin to treat burns. Well, why not? Why not? Let's have a look here. See what we got. What are we dealing with? I thought it was weird. Um man, I look like a mutant. Mesmo achando estranho, só o fato dele falar que é menos tempo e com menos dor, pode botar o que quiser. Use whatever you want. Tô botando. We're putting it on. Tá doendo? Doesn't hurt. So they're putting a bit of dead fish skin on this guy's electrical burns. Creates a butter Ela effect. Bloqueia a contaminação Blocks de outside contamination. Ela prevents the loss of, loss of moisture and proteins from the wound. Stays bonded to the bed of the wound until it heals over. It's the first aquatic animal skin in the world. To be tested in burn patients. They see some people around the world have probably been doing this kind of thing for thousands of years, right? There's probably all kinds of these little little procedures and little fixes that people have for various injuries and stuff of various ailments that we just automatically assume must be ridiculous, but. You know, a lot of these treatments have probably existed in some shape or form for a long time. And I'm, I'm glad you said that in the chat there, Vicky. 
Aquaman Reborn. That's what I was going to say. Now everybody can be Aquaman. <laughs> That's the other upside to this. Very interesting stuff. It would bring down the cost of a lot of medical procedures because there's a lot of fish skin around. Like, imagine imagine being in line at the fish markets and just seeing a guy in a lab coat in front of you. <laughs> oh, we, we demand only the best. Most wanted. Captured. Oregon man called police about a burglar. Uh, burglar. Let's have a look. Oregon man called police about a burglar. Armed officers found a rogue Roomba. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a robot vacuum cleaner. Something that I've wanted for a very long time, but I'm not allowed to get one. My wife says, I'm not, I'm, I can't let you spend $1,000 on a robot vacuum cleaner. That's insane. She says, I'll vacuum the floor. Don't worry about it. I'm like, yeah, but you're not a robot. I only want what's best for you, honey. Don't you want a robot vacuum cleaner just buzzing around? It'll be like we're living on a moon station something. And we'll be living in the future, man. Come on, it's going to be so awesome to have a robot vacuum cleaner. They just automatically dock and everything. She's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so it'll be $1,000 well spent, trust me. She's not buying it. The Washington County Sheriff in Oregon says there was nothing unusual about the call. Sure, it was broad daylight, about 1.48pm local time exactly, but crime can happen any time. So the frantic call from a house guest about a burglar making loud rustling noises inside the house, specifically from within the locked bathroom, the call is coming from inside the house, deserved an urgent response, Sergeant Danny DiPetrio, a sheriff spokesman, tells NPR. The man had just gone for a walk with his nephew's dog, and when he came back, he could see shadows moving back and forth under the bathroom door. <laughs> Resources were immediately deployed. Three seasoned deputies one with at least 20 years on the force, a detective who happened to be in the area, and two canine officers from the Beaverton Police Department about seven miles outside of Portland. They surrounded the Cedar Hills house and then made their way inside, guns unholstered. And the whole time they were yelling, Sheriff and police! But the burglar wouldn't come out. He wouldn't say anything, DiPetrio says. Instead, the banging got louder, like a loud thud, thud, thud on the glass. Officers assumed the burglar was trying to escape that he was trying to open a window and jump out and run away. Hearts pounding, guns ready to fire. They counted down and entered the bathroom, but instead of confronting a suspect, they found a rogue Roomba robot vacuum that was apparently doing a very thorough job. <laughs> it's a great advertisement for the Roomba. It was just this little round machine slamming against the glass shower wall. The entire group erupted into pearls of, uh, peals of laughter. Everyone just started cracking up. It was such a huge relief because it's the kind of situation that could go either way. It could end peacefully or DiPetrio trailed off. This could get messy. That's your tagline for the Roomba. No one had any idea what was waiting for them behind the door, but they definitely didn't expect that. There you go. Sensational stuff. I, I still want one. I still want one. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Stella, I, I can't see that because I don't have Facebook. I don't have Facebook. So if you want to share something from Facebook, you have to screen grab it and send it in. I don't have a Facebook account, so like you'll see it won't let me it won't let me view it, see? I have to log in, and I don't have a login for Facebook, unfortunately. But thank you anyway. One more from FollowQ. Corny Monster. 
There were one million other ways to try and take me down, and this is what you choose? Fuck you. I saw this thread earlier today, and I thought, who the fuck is Christine Teigen? I've never heard of her. And I don't particularly care. <laughs> well, speaking of glamorous, model and wife of John Legend, Chrissy Teigen, was also chosen as one of the 100 most influential. Now, she's also known for her vicious attacks on President Trump, and she was chosen, according to the profile, because, quote, all her life, Chrissy Teigen has liked to eat. <laughs> she's not shy about that. So influential. Or anything else, really. So well, influential that's nice right now. and innovative, I guess, eating. But did most Americans like her take on female empowerment during last week's Democrat retreat? I think it's possible to be really angry all the time. If there was one word you would help particularly women use more frequently, what would that one word be? F*** you. Oh, I'm sorry. You're very yeah, she, oh. she seems like a real treasure. Never heard of her. Glad I haven't. And won't care to look her up anymore. They're all the same. They're all the same, these are. Uh, the, the apparently powerful, rich and famous influencers. They're all the same. They're, they're carbon copies of one another. Orlando Weekly, again. Part two of our long-running saga on what the fuck is going on in Florida. After getting booted from Bumble, George Zimmerman is now using a fake name on Tinder. George Zimmerman, a local child killer who was acquitted for the murder of an unarmed Trayvon Martin back in 2012, has now resorted to using a fake alias on the dating app Tinder. According to screen grabs obtained by Creative Loafing Tampa Bay, Zimmerman is now going by the name Carter and describes himself as a self-employed consultant and a Liberty University graduate looking for carefree fun. His profile also says he enjoys hiking, fishing, the outdoors, taking from Longhorn Steakhouse, and unsurprisingly, he would prefer to avoid large crowds. <laughs> oh, good luck. Why can't, why can't Zimmerman fuck too? Why can't he get fucked as well? You know, there are some horrible, heinous people out there getting regular sex. Why can't this guy have sex? They're like, we need to out him. He can't be having sex with anyone. He's a good-looking guy. What's the problem? <laughs> Everyone else is getting laid. The Tinder profile. Gee, they really went to town on this guy, didn't they? Other possible interests are not mentioned in his profile, including bragging about killing a kid at a local bar, threatening to feed a man to alligators, getting fined for skating, pointing a shotgun at his ex-girlfriend's face and getting arrested for suspected domestic assault after reportedly throwing a bottle of wine at another girlfriend's head. Well, you know, he's not looking for a long-term commitment. He could snap at any moment. There you go. Zimmerman, back on the market, ladies. Time to hit up Tinder. Get yourself a catch today or else. Mark Dice put this one out. He's not taking it too well. The Mueller report. Let's see what Mark Dice says via Brian Stelter. There was certainly evidence of a willingness to collude. I think there's a lot of analysts like Jeffrey Tubin would say, yeah, there was clearly some collusion. It's a matter of how much collusion there was. There's a lot we don't know about the social media efforts and about the attempts to spread fake news by Russian bots and whether Trump may be involved. But 
and this is the issue, right? There's two different narratives right now about what happened. <laughs> My dice. <laughs>「officers fired for feeling cute comments on social media feeling cute feeling cute might stop someone later I don't know corrections officers across the country are under fire for taking feeling cute social media posts too far threatening to harm inmates in posts they were simply meant to make light of a highly stressful job feeling cute might just gas some inmates today I don't know <laughs> One person captioned a selfie of a woman apparently wearing a Texas, uh, Texas Department of Criminal Justice uniform, the Houston Chronicle reported. Another person allegedly wrote, feeling cute, might shoot your baby daddy today. I don't know. Social media posts from corrections officers in Texas, Missouri, OK and Georgia have made their way across the internet, sparking outrage, outrage among many who have said they do not find the captions funny. How dare police officers have a sense of humour? How dare you? America's Police Problem, a website dedicated to holding the nation's police accountable for abuses of power. is, is But see, is feeling cute a, an abuse of power? Really? So what, only police officers can do this little I'm feeling cute thing that's on social media? Fuck is wrong with people. Like, that's how you know that there isn't actual real widespread police brutality when people on the internet need to get upset about this kind of shit. Sorry. Sorry, I know people have like legitimate complaints about police and, and that kind of thing. And I know some people feel victimized by some actions of some police officers here and there. Granted, all fine. But if a group on the internet is going around calling itself like the watchdog against police brutality and they're kicking up a stink about social media posts called feeling cute, then I'm sorry, they are pissing down your back and telling you it's raining. There is no police brutality if this is the brutality. Fuck you. Fuck off find another oppression to get angry about because this one ain't it kind of i'm kind of over this garbage america's police problem a website dedicated to holding the nation's police accountable for abuses of power shared dozens of the posts on the site now i'm going to check the site so i can look at the posts and see how funny they are writing that officers took the social media challenge to quote a dangerous level fuck off fuck off dangerous level <laughs> so dangerous so dangerous saying feeling cute and putting like little smart ass little comments on social media it's so dangerous fuck is wrong with you other captions included feeling cute might get suspended for justifiable use of force <laughs> feeling cute might confiscate some contraband today I don't know yet feeling cute might go arrest your drug dealing baby daddy later feeling cute challenge the challenge hashtag stems from the original Twitter trend, feeling cute, might delete later, in which users post selfies on social media before removing them. Now, Texas Department of Criminal Justice spokesperson Jeremy Diesel tells people that a handful of employees are being investigated for the post. Yeah, we investigate that. Right. Got to investigate something. Fucking unreal. Seriously, what is there to investigate? Did you put this on social media? Yes, I thought it was adorable. Carry on. End of investigation. It wouldn't take 22 months and 30 million fucking dollars, I assure you of that. 
The statement continues, these officers in no way represent the thousands of employees who go to work every day making public safely, safety seriously in all ways. Ah, fuck. Garbage. Absolute garbage. You know, once upon a time, this kind of stuff wasn't a problem. <laughs> Kelly Days. Danger, Will Rogers. Smoky Bear, Boogie, I had the hot brunette trooper pull me over in 2006 for doing 95 miles an hour in the 65, and I wound up dating her. Long story, lovely lady, congratulations. Feeling cute. Feeling cute. Might bang the police officer who pulls me over for speeding on the hood of my, on the hood of my Dural, uh, <laughs> Duraldo. Duraldo, is that, the, is that the car? Chevy? I don't know. I don't know American cars that well. I tried. But yes, sick of that garbage. El Dorado. El Dorado. That's the one. What do we got here? From Key Wizard. Hoda Kotby, who I've got no idea who that is, says she'll be with her boyfriend until my last breath. Since today's show anchor Hoda Kot announced that she adopted a second baby girl on Tuesday, inquiring internet minds wanted to know more about her family. And we're not just talking about the latest edition, Hope Catherine, or her two-year-old, Haley Joy. We're referring to Cot's boyfriend, Joel Schiffman, with whom she's raising her two precious daughters. Cot, 54, and Schiffman, 61, have been together since 2013. She calls the relationship the most natural one I've ever been in. And although wedding bells may not be in their future, Cot has said, I'm going to be with Joel until my last breath. Yeah, they all say that. They all say that. A Durango. Pix Boogie. <laughs> okay. I don't know why this is news. Where did Hoda and Joel meet? What about their kids? Okay. Key Wizard, I, I, I appreciate your contribution to the show, my dear, but I have no idea who these people are and I care not for their love life. <laughs> so I'm moving on. National National Enquirer is being sold to Hudson News' CEO. Let's have a look. Rocky year, the National Enquirer is being sold to the owner and CEO of Hudson News for $100 million. The decision to sell came after a string of high-profile legal issues surrounding the publication. Last year, the tabloid's parent company, American Media, admitted to paying hush money to Playboy model Karen McDougal, McDougal. Uh, in an effort to help Donald Trump get elected in 2016. More recently, the paper has been accused of blackmail by Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos after the Inquirer published racy text messages and photos of Bezos and former television news anchor. Uh, plot twist, the National Inquirer is being bought by an alien who uh, impregnated Jeff Bezos's ex-wife. That's the coming exclusive on National Inquirer next week. Just so you know. Jeff Bezos was abducted by an alien. His sperm was replaced with alien sperm. He then impregnated the female by proxy, creating a new race of human-alien hybrids. National Enquirer, ladies and gentlemen. Lawsuit says TGI Friday's potato skins contain no potatoes. <laughs> See, we don't have TGI Fridays here. <clears throat> but it sounds like a hell of a place. It is acceptable to sell French fries that are not made in France, but a new lawsuit says it is not acceptable to sell potato skin snack chips that are not made from potato skins. 
A New York City woman on Wednesday sued TGI Fridays in a proposed class action claiming that the company, known for its restaurants, misleads consumers by selling potato skin snacks that contain potato flakes and potato starch, but no skins. Again, like, don't you have anything better to do? It's like, what is this thing? What is this snack called? What is this delicious snack called? A potato skin? Do you want it or not? Does it actually does it actually contain real potato skins? I don't know, man. Do you want the fucking thing or not? Come on, I'm earning like seven bucks an hour here. Call it whatever you, I don't care what you call it. Do you, do you want it or not? That's that should be the end of the conversation. Well, I don't I don't think that this is fair. I'm suing you because when I order potato skin snacks, damn it, I want potato skins. It's like fuck off. They definitely need more flair. <laughs> This is a carry-on, I think, from last week's free-for-all, isn't it? Now we're going to have to play that clip. See if we got it. Yes, we do. The lovely Jennifer Aniston. And, uh, we need to talk about your flair. Really? I, I have 15 pieces on. I, I Well, okay, 15 is the minimum. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, it's up to you whether or not you want to just do the bare minimum or, uh, well, like Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today. Okay. Mm. Fuck Brian. Okay. So you, you want me to wear more? Fuck him. Look, Joanna. Little shit. People can get a cheeseburger anywhere. Okay. They come to okay. Chopsky's okay. for the atmosphere and the attitude. Okay? <laughs> That's what the flair is about. It's about fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So more than, yeah. <laughs> Look, we want you to express yourself, okay? Now, if you feel that the bare minimum is enough, then... <laughs> okay, but some people choose to wear more, and we encourage that, okay? You do want to express yourself, don't you? Y yeah. Yeah. Great, great. Okay, then we go to the next video where she quits. We need to talk. <laughs> do you know what this is about? My, uh, flair? Yeah. Or, uh, your lack of flair, because, uh, I'm counting and I only see 15 pieces. Let me ask you a question, Joanna. Mm. What do you think of a person who only does the bare minimum? Huh, what do I think? Um, you know what, Stan? If you want me to wear 37 pieces of flair like your uh, pretty boy over there, Brian, why don't you just make the minimum 37 pieces of flair? Well, <laughs> I thought I remembered you saying that you wanted to express yourself. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I do. I do want to express myself. Okay, then I don't need 37 pieces of flair to do it. <laughs> All right, there's my flair, okay? And this is me expressing, expressing myself. myself, okay? <laughs> There it is. I hate this job. I hate this goddamn job and I don't need it. Utterly fantastic. Uh, Peter Gibbons in that movie is like my personal hero in life. That's a fantastic movie. If you've never seen it, you don't know what you're missing. Office Space. It's one of the great, like, one of the great movies of the, I think it was in the 90s that that came out. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. Nobody ever talks about it. <laughs> Uh, from Clean Jack. He sent this through. Could you call this number live and ask them to stop meddling with me? Thanks. 
fantastic. From Russia. From Russia with love. From Clean Jack. He said, that's an actual call to me. <laughs> I do my best to be there, sir. If for whatever reason I'm not present, feels, please feel free to rape me verbally. Well, I wouldn't do that. I would be nice. On a pleasant side note, yesterday I saw a biker with a dilly gaff patch on. Fantastic. Life is good, my friend. Life is good. Follow Q sent this one through from the medic. Oh, yes, I saw this in the press conference. Don't you think that you're acting in a conspiratorial way, Mr. Barr? Propriety for you to come out and sort of what appears to be sort of spinning the report before public, the public gets a chance to read it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, he is a glorified DMV employee. Make no mistake about it. Don't fuck with this man. He will make your life a misery, filling out forms and standing in lines until you drop dead. Three naked women stand outside rest stop to air dry. <laughs> Why can't I ever have these experiences at rest stops? Why doesn't this ever happen to me? Things then get really out of control. What started off? <laughs> Netflix wants people to stop calling movies chick flicks. What? Calling films chick... Hang on, hang on, hang Netflix on. wants people to stop calling movies chick flicks. It said in a Monday tweet, quick PSA, can we stop calling films chick flicks unless... No, no, we can't. Fuck you. The films are literally about small baby chickens. No. Here's why this phrase should absolutely be retired. <sighs> Among the reasons given is that... It's like, what the fuck? What, what balls? Netflix. Netflix has the balls to come out. And say, yes, you do subscribe to our service. Yes, you do download our movies. Yes, you do pay us money every month. But we're going to, we want to control your language because it's offensive. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. And I'm not watching any of the chick flicks either. At chick flicks are traditionally synonymous with romantic comedies. Yes, they are. This suggests that women are the only people interested in one, romance, two, comedy. No, no, wrong, 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 wrong. Romantic comedy, you, it doesn't mean that only women are interested in comedy. Guys are interested in comedy too. They're not interested in comedy infused with shitty, soppy romance stories that always go the same way. Guy meets girl. Girl doesn't like guy. Girl falls in love with guy. Guy starts fight with girl. Girl hates guy. Girl and guy make up. End of fucking movie. There, there it is. That's every single romantic comedy that's ever fucking existed. There's your, there's your platform. There's your formula. Girl meets guy, girl doesn't like guy, girl falls in love with guy, girl starts fight with guy, girl hates guy, girl falls back in love with guy and makes up. End of fucking movie. Done. Don't call them chick flicks. Why? Why not? <laughs> I just fucking explained every single chick flick that's ever, that's ever existed. Which I can promise from the men I've come across in my life simply isn't true. Netflix also notes the term cheapens the work that goes into making these types oh, of films oh. and drives home that there's something trivial about watching them. Oh, oh no, the people that make chick flicks are offended. Oh, oh poor babies. Oh, <laughs> this sounds like a great, st this sounds like the start of a chick flick. My name is Sally and I work at a producer producing romantic comedies. And it's, you wouldn't believe how hard it is for me to find love and acceptance. <laughs> I never thought that I would date a woman who makes chick flicks. There we go. There's another movie. At first, she wasn't even interested in me. But then she fell in love with me. 
Then I started a fight with her because I told her how much I hate chick flicks. Then she forgave me, and then we made a movie about it. In a wild media alert issued by the Florida Highway Patrol, Florida again! Again! On Wednesday, Public Affairs Officer Sergeant Steve Gaskins detailed a rest stop incident that quickly devolved from bizarre to potentially deadly. On Wednesday, April 10, 2019, at approximately 11.15am, FHP units in Pasco County were dispatched to a suspicious person's call at the northbound I-75 rest area, south of State Road 54. Trooper Danielle Poulin arrived on the scene and observed three black females naked who stated that they had showered and were (laughs) air-drying. According to one witness, the women were all standing out in the nude and applying suntan lotion, the smoking gun notes. While three naked women responded to Officer Poulin's initial question, they suddenly bolted. So now you're chasing three women. (laughs) Three naked women. As Trooper Poulin attempted to gather information, the three subjects ran and got into a white 2009 Nissan Sentra and fled through the northbound rest area entrance before turning back northbound. They then travelled north on I-75 towards State Road 52. Trooper Poulin initiated a pursuit, however, was cancelled due to the pursuit not fitting FHP criteria. Though Poulin stopped pursuing, a citizen soon called in a 347 to report reckless driving, prompting another trooper, Christopher Brando, to respond. Seeing the Sentra, quote, driving in the wrong direction briefly, Trooper Brando initiated a pursuit eastbound on State Road 52, deploying Star Chase projectiles, a tagging system that allows police to track a vehicle. Brando backed off and troopers were able to track the vehicle to a convenience store parking lot on the road. They found the Sentra empty, the three women having entered the store and apparently having put on clothes by this point. <laughs> because if you if you want to air dry, you, you, you get into a Sentra naked, drive as fast as you can with all the windows down and you put your legs up on the windows with the windows down, legs hanging out the windows... Got to get the air up in there. Got to get the air up in there so I can drive, baby. The situation got more, even more intense at this point. As the three females exited the store and got into the car, Trooper Ronald Poulin attempted to, pull, to, attempted to take one of the females into custody who had not made it back into the vehicle. While Trooper Poulin was attempting to arrest that subject, the driver purposefully drove directly at Trooper Poulin who had to disengage and jump back to avoid being struck by the car. There you go. Now, in the second phase of the high-speed uh, high pursuit, the Dade Police uh, City Police Department came to the help of the troopers deploying stop sticks, which deflated the centre's right-side tyres. Due to the aggravated assault charges and the totality of the circumstance, uh, Gaskin underscores, Brando was given approval to use his vehicle to nudge the centre enough to make it spend to a stop. As a result, all three were tasered, <laughs> taken into custody, and transported to the Pasco County Jail. There you go. Air douche. A couple more here. UK prison guard smells a rat. I think this is our last one. UK prison guards smell a rat and find rodents stuffed with drugs. Now that is creative. That's industrious. Smokey Bear says, Boogie, you know, you do know that Florida has a point of the Bermuda Triangle in it. It explains everything. Very good point. Very good point, my man. 
there is definitely something fucked up going on in Florida. The amount of stories that I come across, and I trawl the internet looking for these weird and shitty little stories. Because I just find it, I, I find it humorous to track the degradation of Western civilization, you know, like kind of like an obituary, a living, you know, video obituary of Western civilization. We've got guys cutting off their own dick to go viral on YouTube. All sorts of shit going on. So somebody needs to document this and archive it so it's easily accessible for people in the future and go, ah, see, this is where we, this is where we fucked up. <laughs> this is where it all went wrong. And I hope to be that person. Suspected organized criminals have been stuffing the bodies of dead rats with drugs, phones, and cash, throwing them over the walls of a British uh, prison to get contraband to inmates, the government said on Monday. Isn't that amazing? Guards at Guy's Marsh Prison in Dorset, southwest England, grew suspicious when they found the bodies of three rats with long stitches along their stomachs. <laughs> They discovered the animals had been disemboweled and filled with five mobile phones and chargers, three SIM cards, cigarette papers, and a large amount of drugs, including cannabis and a synthetic substitute, as well as tobacco. How much shit can you fit in a dead rat? That's incredible. They must have huge rats in the UK. Big as house cats. Fuck me flying. Like, you can fit five mobile phones in one dead rat? <laughs> It must look like a football by the time you're throwing it over the fence. This find shows the extraordinary lengths to which criminals will go to smuggle drugs into prison and underlines why our work to improve security is so important. Might disembowel, feeling cute, might disembowel a dead rat. I don't know. Why not use a cake? Yeah, I'm a fan of the traditional cake route as well. It is a huge rat. Huge rat. Seizures, uh, seizures of drugs, mobile phones, and SIM cards rose by 23, 15, and 13% in the last 12 months to March 2018, when just over 20% of tests of inmates were positive for drugs, including new psychoactive substances. Criminals have in the past tried to use tennis balls, pigeons, and drones to bring in contraband into prisons. Drones. Oh. When there's a will, there's a way. Dead rats. Fantastic stuff. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That brings us to the end of another free-for-all. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to throw me a dead rat, then please do so by finding me on Twitter at boogie bumper. I just want to wish everybody a happy Easter. I hope you have a great time with your family. Spend some time with the family. Enjoy the weekend. You know, be good. And if you can't be good, at least be good at it. Don't forget, Friday night, tomorrow night, um, Chris Mack and James R. Follow at Chris Mack 44 for Pirate Radio, 11.30 p.m. Then, of course, James hosts the lovely Ladies of Liberty, Saturday night, 11 o'clock, which is preceded by Doc Martin and our friend Phil D'Angelo and Doc Martin hosting uh, Promises Kept at 10 p.m. You'll find myself and James R. back on Sunday night with Trust and Verify. You can find that show by following at TAV Show. And um, for those who are interested, for those who follow The Common Discourse, the guys are back in the studio this weekend. We'll be going on after Pirate Radio. So it's going to be very, very late night for most of you. But uh, myself, 
the voice of reason, Adam J, and Vexed Media, Varun Prasad. We're all going to be live in the studio, having a bit of fun, having a laugh, going over some politics stuff. So if you want to stick around for that, you can follow that account at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. And that'll be on After Pirate Radio. So thanks so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Have a lovely Easter. Stay calm. Stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Happy Easter, everyone. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Enjoy your Easter weekend. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks, Trucker. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Jesus, for giving us the weekend off. Well done, Jesus. You really came through. Appreciate you. Thanks, RM Johns. Thanks, everyone else. General Eaton. Tracy, thanks for joining us. Happy Easter. Remember, Pirate Radio tomorrow night, Ladies of Liberty Saturday. I'll be back with James on Sunday, Trust and Verify. And then next week, The Daily Boogie, Monday through Thursday. Thanks again, guys. Happy Easter. Have a good weekend. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.